Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 228 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net, the world's most advanced gaming website. We have a great show for you guys today. Tons of big stuff has happened over the last week. And the crazy part is, it's from like all the big three. So we're going to have big topics for each one of those. We got two or three huge games to talk about today. Alongside me to do that is Matthew Kyle. What's up, Matt? Hey. Not How's much. the week been? Uh, smoky. <laughs> yeah. Warm. A lot worse on your on your side of town than it is on mine. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, up north it's worse because it looks like Mars, but uh, we might be yeah. getting some of that tomorrow. So we'll see. And it finally cooled off. It's been 100 degrees on the west side, which never mm-hmm. happens. Um, oh, and- on, sun- on Sunday, it was 109 here. It's insane. Um, the weather is nuts. It, you know, it was 101 yesterday in Colorado, and it's snowing today. Yep. In the same place. Where it was 101, today it's snowing. So no one gets to criticize weird video game biomes ever again. <laughs> Because Colorado exists. That's absolutely true. Uh, Running TriCaster today, we got Jared, who is a big Chiefs fan, and the Chiefs kick off football tomorrow night. Are you excited about it, Jared? I am. I'm very excited. It's finally something to watch. I know my parents are very excited in Missouri. And you're actually from Missouri, so you're a legit OG Chiefs fan. Yes, and I even went to a game last year. So Nice. Um, Yeah. Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, I should add. Yeah, and I was looking forward to buying Madden until your review last week. (laughs) If there's no season season this year, I'm just out of luck. (laughs) Well, the good news is you can probably go buy Madden from last year now for like 10 bucks, and it's just as good. And you can probably download updated rosters and you'll be fine. But anyway, the NFL season does kick off tomorrow. Good luck in tomorrow night's game. Uh, We had our sifted fantasy football draft on Labor Day on Monday. That was a ton of fun hanging out with uh, the crew for a couple hours and we're ready to rock on that. Um, We're ready to also rock with the show. We can't spend too much time on the intro because we have uh, a lot to get to. Um, But if you're interested in following either myself or Matt, you can find myself at Dinfire. You can find Matt at mkyle. That's M-K-E-I-L. And if you listen to this show on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever and you want to know when the show is going to go live, follow us on Twitter at Sifted Games. And with that, here's a word from our sponsor. Do you live life outdoors? DeShazer Ryan Realty has a nice level lot just outside of Libby, Montana. That's perfect for you. With access to Crystal Lake via shared dock and boat ramp, it's an ideal location to build the getaway home of your dreams or just park your RV. Enjoy fishing, paddleboarding, kayaking, boating, and more just a few steps away. It can be yours for just $72.5. No matter where you live, contact Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643 or DeShazerMT at gmail.com. Even if you're not looking for property in Montana, he can connect you with local realtors in your area who can help you. If you want to see more, head over to DeShazerRyanRealty.com. That's DeShazerRyanRealty.com. Thanks again to DeShazer Ryan Realty for sponsoring the show. If you need real estate anywhere in the United States, give them a call. Let's keep the money in the family. All right. It's time for our poll of the week. This week's poll of the week, I thought, would generate a lot of response. It ended up being one of our least responded polls that we've done so far since we launched the poll of the week. And the poll of the week was PlayStation games for PC should wait X amount of time before being released for PC. The options were six months, a year, 
18 months, two years, and never. Okay, Jared, reveal the responses. So the winner, hands down, was six months. Uh, I was, this is one of the first polls I was really surprised by. Now, the, the angle to this, Matt, is that you have PC players who are, who want them immediately, but are trying yeah. to be reasonable. And I think they're going to fall into that. And then I think anybody who doesn't own a PlayStation is going to lean towards the shorter time frame. Do you think six months is even feasible? No, not a chance. Yeah, that's never happening. That's crazy, though. 35% of those polled said six months. I was pretty surprised by that. Um, I mean, what you want and what is feasible are two different things. So. Yeah. Um, the, the, Nobody's the, asking anyone to be realistic, just that's what they'd want. Yep. And then the second most popular response was a year. Again, the second shortest amount of time. Again, you basically have everyone who's not a PlayStation owner voting for timetables that are as short as possible, basically. Mm. Um, and I, I mean, think I think a year is, is the lowest end possible possibility, but I think it's possible. I don't think a year is crazy. Yeah, it's still on the fringe for me, I think. Um, and then what you and I had agreed to last week, 18 months, that only got 12% of the vote. Mm. Um, because it's realistic. It is because it is realistic and more likely. And then two years got 21% of the vote. And now you're starting to see the PlayStation, the PlayStation fans only owners yeah. in the next two, which are 21 or 21% for two years and never 5%. So 25%. To be fair, I know a couple of PC centric players who would say never because they don't ever want to play Sony's garbage in their uh, words. Right. Right. Like there, yeah. There's, there's well, some there's, DC snobbery in place as well. <laughs> there absolutely is. Uh, anything that stands out to you from the poll, Matt, other than the shortest time frame being the most popular? Like I'm a little surprised 18 months wasn't more popular because that's probably what it would be. Right. Um, then if again, they start being aggressive with it, you mean? Yeah. Then again, you don't really have, you don't have to agree with Sony's corporate choices. I mean, yeah. sure. Sure. I bet if you'd had a day one option, that would have won. So. Yeah, probably. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it would have won. It probably would have got the 35%. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one thing I will say is we didn't get a ton of votes on this week's poll, but we got some really great comments. In fact, maybe some of the best that we've had since we started doing the poll of the week. Uh, the first one is up from Night- Nightmare452. Uh, he says, I voted six months. This gives them plenty of time to get sales on PS5 and still make the game feel relevant when it finally comes to PC. Waiting a year or two seems like a long time to wait for just a port. Good point. Uh, Sony needs to step up and make their developers make their game with PS5 and PC in mind from the get-go. How do you feel about that? That's wrong. Yeah. Like, no, so I it's, completely it's not, disagree with it's that. It's not Sony's interest at all to do that. It's not good for business. It's not good for... I don't want it. I want Sony's games to write to the metal of PlayStation mm-hmm. hardware. I want them to push PlayStation hardware. And what you're asking for is them to basically compromise in some way the PlayStation 5 version so that the PC version can come more quickly. I completely disagree with that. No, I just like I said last week, it should be like, you know, do the PlayStation version, get the PlayStation version done, polish it up to what it needs to be, and then hand it over to somebody else to port it. Yep. Like, you know, don't don't even worry about it. Don't 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 make the people who create the games worry about making it work on PC. Like just agree a thousand. Hand it over and, and move on to your next PlayStation project. Get have dedicated team or teams doing the PC stuff. Yep. Uh, next up, Polak. Uh, I chose two years is I want the devs focusing on making the best possible games for the hardware first, and then that time frame allows for a good port to be done. 
Yeah, I mean that's probably more realistic in Too the end. Really, um, yeah. You know, I, I could see a world where they sort of constantly say it'll be eighteen months, but it ends up being closer to two years. You know, like because things slip, um, which is again better than not getting it. But uh, I mean, I get the the concern about having it stay relevant because two I mean, years is, right, is an though. eternity in in yeah. in game development. But like, um, unless you're working on Star Citizen, but it's. Uh, is probably that's where you're you're at is about 18, 18 months to two years if that becomes a regular thing. Although again, if, if yeah, they took your suggestion and made an internal porthouse, that might shorten eventually. Yep, agreed. Uh, next up from Mountain Lifter, uh, Sony should release their games on PC on day one after a few years into the console life cycle, say three years. Uh, if I didn't have a PS5 and a new game release for both PS5 and PC early in the console's life, I would probably get the PC version instead of buying a PS5. So here's a unique approach to this. He's saying once PlayStation 5 hits three years old, then it's day and date on PS5 and PC. How do you feel about that? Um, I mean, I think exclusives still sell systems no matter how late in the system's life it is. And I think yep. Spider-Man really drove that home. So... Um, yeah, there's still a lot of consoles to be. I mean, again, that's a, that's better for the consumer who only has a PC, but it's not better for Sony who's fronting the money for it. So I, I don't, I wouldn't agree with that either. Yeah, I don't think it. I mean, they sell. It's not just about the first three years. Yeah. They continue to sell millions and millions of consoles every year. Mm -hmm. You're basically saying after year three, we're cool with the installed base, and that's that. Yeah, I, and and especially like last gen. The PlayStation 3 actually did sell the most units in the end of all right. three systems, despite, you know, the Wii blowing the doors off everything. And 360 but, having a huge And 360, game. but, you know, so so the long game matters. Like, it's yep. it's definitely in play. And, and part of the reason PlayStation 3 had such long legs is its exclusive library. So. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then, anyway, I like that comment because it mm -hmm. created a great conversation. So I like how you're thinking, Mountain Lifter. Uh, the last comment comes from Don Lionheart. He says, I think that if Sony really wants to encourage people to buy the PS5, they need to wait a good chunk of time so that people don't fall under the Microsoft problem of, why buy the Xbox? I can just get a powerful PC. Mm -hmm. Personally, that's exactly how, how I feel. So the longer Sony's wait, the better. Totally yeah, get that I mean, perspective, too. Sure. And, like, that's... You know, it's a different situation with Microsoft because they still pretty much control the environment if you're buying stuff on Windows. So, you know, yep. you're in the Microsoft ecosystem whether you like it or not most of the time if you're playing Xbox games. Yep. That's um, true. And Sony doesn't have that advantage. So, Sony's more the, you know, Sony's advantage in that cord is more the Blu ray drive. Uh oh. Yeah, we just lost you for a second. You stole. there. Yeah, your connection is uh, red, by the way. Hmm. Yeah, well, let that was me, yellow. <laughs> let me uh, force the computer to switch to wired. Okay. It might, it might not be doing that properly. But anyway, thanks, you guys, for responding to the poll of the week. Another one will be up in the next day or two. Uh, it'll be, as always, a link will be in the header of the site at sifted.net. And we appreciate your input because it actually generates great conversation between Matt and I as we discuss kind of your points. Um, so thanks again and look for a new poll of the week soon. Uh, and with that, it's time to kick off the show proper. And you guys knew what we were going to kick off the show with, and that is the Xbox Series S, not the X. Um, Long-rumored, Lockhart, finally a reality. Um, all the information has pretty much come out at this point about both it and the Series X at this point. 
Um, basically, a leak of an image two days ago forced Microsoft's hand. And then yesterday, it put out the first trailer for the Series S. And then today, it really blew it out and put up this big, like, 10-minute documentary about it. I'm explaining how they developed it and what the concepts and the ideas were behind it. Um, but really, what it comes down to is that all the rumors were right. Lockhart is a lower-powered Xbox series, whatever you want to call it. It's a lot smaller, as you can see from the B-roll that we're showing right now. In fact, it's the smallest Xbox console ever released, or it will be when it comes out. Um, Which is not a huge claim when it comes down to it. Xboxes well, have always been rather hefty. Right, right. But. Although the, the 1X is a pretty sleek machine. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm not that surprised that they got it down to be smaller than the 1X even, which is pretty impressive. Um, and most importantly, it is cheaper. The mm -hmm. Xbox One S is $300. And although this hasn't quite been announced officially yet, everyone kind of is assuming or some people are saying that they know that Xbox One X will in fact cost $500. Um, now, there are differences between the consoles. Um, and I'm just going to run through the specs of the Series S really quickly here. It has a 512 gig hard drive, oy vey. Which is that, nothing. Oh my God. I have, and because of it has no disk drive, mm -hmm. uh, which was nobody knew up until two days ago whether it was going to have a drive or not. It does not have a drive and it only has a 512 gig hard drive. However, it will have ray tracing, variable rate shading, variable refresh rates, basically all the things that high-end PC gamers have grown accustomed to using and loving. Um, and then, as I said, it's $300, and it is coming out November 10th alongside Xbox Series X. Mm. So, Matt, no real surprises here. They did say it would have 4K media playback. It will have 4K game upscaling. But it only plays at 2K, 1440p, but it can run up to 120 frames per second. Are you surprised that there was no surprise, Matt? Not really. I mean, Microsoft hasn't been rocking the boat tremendously with these. Uh, the, fi the $500 price is on their blog, by the way. That's, oh, it that's is? Re okay. That's real. Okay. Um, so your move, Sony. Uh, but it's, Which it's we in heard was going to happen today. In fact, when I was stacking this episode, I left a topic at the end for the PlayStation mm -hmm. 5 price and release date. Because rumors were swirling yesterday that, okay, now Sony's going to announce tomorrow. Uh, that did not happen, and I had to completely no, rejigger the show and redo our lower thirds. But anyway... From what I understand, uh, they would have liked to, but it couldn't be gotten together in time. Okay. That so would be pretty quick. Soon, if you, had to, I would if think, you didn't I, have everything together already, that is a yeah. very short time. Well, because I don't think anybody thought... I mean, this, this precipitated from a, a leaker... Yeah. Um, so yeah, it all I mean, is, none of this was how it was planned. So. Yeah, well, we kept talking for months about who's going to blink first. Someone asked Pactor mm -hmm. who's going to blink first. And then it ended up nobody blinked. It was, it was just leaked. And then the floodgates yeah. just opened. And that was it. And this guy, the other thing, of course, the guy who leaked, I can't remember his name, but the guy who leaked it is kind of a known Microsoft leaker. Like he's, yeah. he's been on target with everything for a long time. So everybody took it as pretty, pretty much probably true. Word is um, yeah. And there you go. Uh, so, so I would be I would be surprised if we don't know everything about the PlayStation Five similar info by the end of the week. Um, but obviously, no one saw this coming. So Meaning within the next couple of days, so I think so. Friday or Monday, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, does that, I, I don't know what their plan was or when they intended to do. I mean, because people forget, like the 
the the switch was announced and shown for the first time like 50 days before the launch you mm-hmm. know it was like it was yeah. like january 17th came out on like march whatever you know early march like you know the, apparently that's the new normal is uh you know the final details on these things come out sooner uh, as close to the launch as possible i guess to not screw over the retail distributors yeah and also you know with it's also, I think, part of it too is knowing that you only have so many units available at launch, mm-hmm. and it's that you know the story can go either way. It can either go, oh my gosh, they're so sold, they're sold out uh, because everybody wants it, and now I want it, or it could be like I can't find them anywhere. It's not that compelling. I'm going to be a, buy a PS5. Yeah, so, and like that's probably the closer to the launch stuff is probably better for that because yeah, then you don't have months and months where people are just like, oh, it's just gone and I have nothing to look at and like there's not going to be any more. So I'm just I'm just sitting here stewing over the fact that I don't get to have the new console. Yeah, so having a, a shorter, I like guess, six week run up to it is probably better. The question becomes like, you know, I guess so. They said the pre orders start tw- September 22nd for the Xboxes. Yep. You wonder what the date was originally planned to be for PlayStation and whether they can move that up or whether that was later. You know, who knows? Yeah, because um, all that has to be set up with the retail websites and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and promotion and marketing. All all those parts have to work together in concert to. Yeah. And you wonder, like, you wonder about, you know, optics on the pricing because, you know, here we have the two Xbox models very far apart in price and understandably so because of, you know, the lack of a drive and the smaller hard drive and the, the, you know, the, the lesser power, et cetera. And then you have the two models of the PlayStation 5, which we're expecting to either be the same price or fairly small and differential in price. Mm-hmm. And you wonder what the optics of that will be to a, a less informed consumer who doesn't understand why you get this huge deal on the S and the PlayStation discless is like still like 50 bucks cheaper or something, if it is at all. Um, so I wonder what they'll do about that. Cause I don't, I don't, I mean, I know everybody thought that like Lockhart would be cheaper or a different model. Like, I don't know if anyone thought it was maybe 200 bucks cheaper. You know, I mean, I certainly hoped it would be, but I wouldn't have been surprised if it wasn't. You know Didn't I mean? we say we thought it was going to be three and five? I thought that's what yeah, we Yeah, I mean, that was that was what I said ideally they should do. I didn't, yeah. I, I, I wasn't didn't think they'd do it. betting on them doing <laughs> the smart thing. I mean, look, you know, like we've, we've been saying for months, a, a cent over $500 and you're out of your mind on these yeah. new, cent, new systems. Uh, Microsoft apparently agrees. <laughs> um, we'll see if Sony it's going to lose too. its ass on this console. Yeah, and it knows that. Like it's, it's playing catch up, and Microsoft knows they have to do that. Um, it's just where they are right now, uh, and they aren't ready for this launch uh, with software that's going to pull you in regardless of price. So they got to make it look like a deal. Um, will Sony match that price? Becomes the question. It will. Um, I, think I think it think will. They have to. I think they have to. Um, I don't think they'll match the three hundred for no, the, the, no, the digital not version. No. I think that'll be four hundred. Is my guess. I I, I don't think st- they want to price it at four, but I think they will yeah. now because. Well, I mean, my instinct still says it will be the same price, but include a couple digital games. Okay. Like, I don't think they will split the price. Which is what Pactor says is typically what happens. So you're yeah. probably right. That is kind of the the going trend anyway. Yeah. Also, I just don't think the lack of a physical Blu-ray drive makes that much price difference. It shouldn't. It should, should no. The only should, re- I mean, really, it's like ten dollars. Yeah, it it's like the only reason is like to, to do the price differential would be because people just expect it because it has yeah. quote unquote less. Right. So you put in a couple of game codes, which costs you literally nothing to like yep. make it look like a better value and charge the same amount of money. Yeah. Um. So that's my what I think PlayStation Five will do. Um. What do you think of the big black dot? 
I think it looks console. silly. I think it looks silly, but like I really I do too. I think it looks awful. It looks like <laughs> I don't some, understand it. It looks like a rejected Zune design. It, to it, me. It, when I first saw it, I thought it was like the new iPod, <laughs> and they don't even make <laughs> iPods anymore. So, or maybe, maybe you're right. It is like the new Zune. I was like, I don't know. I don't like the look of it at all. I do like that the dots on the top though, so you won't see it most of the time. It's just. Yeah. I, I, whatever, but I, I mean, don't, also I don't, like I don't, I don't care because I'm never going to own one. So, well, that's okay. So, I have a bunch of questions that you and I are going to try to answer together. Uh, the first one is, which Xbox should people buy? Now, I know we're going to buy the most powerful versions because we need to. But mm-hmm. if if someone's asking you, they're, they're like, okay, I've already decided that I want the new Xbox. Um, I've decided I want it over PlayStation or whatever. They've told you that they want the new Xbox. Which one do you tell them to buy, Matt? If they're the typical person who maybe buys five, six games a year, max. I mean, it kind of comes down to like, do you have a 4K TV? Does um, So that's another question. Does that matter? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, okay. Yeah, you're right. That does matter. I was going to say like some people have 2K TVs that aren't quite 4K. Mm-hmm. Um, and would it make a difference if they only had a 2K TV? I mean, if you have a 2K TV, you either have a computer monitor or a shitty thing. Right. So there's not really much you can do about it. Yeah. So you would say that if they have a 4K TV, they should buy the $500 model? Um, Because if they have a 4K TV, I guess my point, what I'm getting at is, is the jump from 2K to 4K worth $200 for the average consumer? um, I should have just asked that in the first place. It depends. I mean, the average consumer probably doesn't know the difference. Do you think um, most people will be but, able to see the difference? Uh, I think in general you probably can if you have a quality television. The problem is, um, like, it's you're still kind of probably going to be stuck spending extra money because of the size of the hard drive. And I, I just don't I, I Also, there was some leaks about, like, you know, a possible cost for the expansion drive that will go on these things, um, which was cra- a crazy price. It was 219 for one, ter- for one terabyte SSD expansion. But you're only getting 500 gigs to begin with on an right. old digital piece of hardware. Which is like, if you don't have, um, like if you don't have a, uh, sorry, somebody's banging on my door. Um, <laughs> Hopefully it's not the thieves coming back, Matt. <laughs> no, I think it's I think it's UPS. Oh. Um, but apparently I'm not getting my package today because they took it away. <laughs> that sucks. Sorry, man. Why in, the, why in the world are you requiring signatures in this day and age? <laughs> um, but the... Uh, hmm. So, I, I, I just don't know. Uh, I, I have a friend I know who, who is more of a casual gamer that I would recommend he get the, the higher price one because I know he will notice the difference in okay. performance. He's like a video um, file. Yeah. He's like, he, knows, he knows video and audio stuff, so he yep. would definitely notice the difference. Uh-huh. Um, someone who just like wants to like that's the other thing is like I don't know a really casual player I wouldn't tell them to get an Xbox. No, but I'm saying they've but already like, decided that's what they want. They like Halo, they like Gears, they like the the games that Xbox mm-hmm. offers. I, don't know. I would tell them. I'll be honest with you. I don't know this mythical I'm person. Tell most people to get the cheaper version. Mm-hmm. I just don't think most people are going to be able to see the difference in between 2K and 4K. Um, and when it still has all the other features that make it next gen, like the SSD and the quick loading and the development opportunities that provides, it's hard for me to tell someone to spend an extra 200 bucks. Now, you or I, sure. 
Of course. You were always going to buy the most expensive version to get the best fidelity, but I don't know. Like people on Sifted, I'd probably recommend they buy the more expensive version. But the vast majority of people who ask me about games, people in my family, my friends, people like that, it's hard for me to recommend the $500 version. It just is. I don't know. I just need, I'm like, I know they say what they say, but I need to see some real, you know, I need to see some digital foundry videos that prove that this thing actually runs at the same level if it, well, yeah. as the X. Is it just, really 2K just, or is it yeah. some checkerboard crap that's like getting mm-hmm. it to 2 Right. I mean, you're Or right. is it capable of 2K, but really it runs at 1080p most of the time. Right. Um, yeah. Which is fine if you don't, that's why I say the four 4K TV is sort of the key differential there is yeah. because if you don't have a 4K TV, it's not going to matter. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, if you only have a 1080p TV, the $300 version is yeah. the winner, hands down. Yeah, yeah, that and the only, and like you know, even even if it does go up, you're you're kind of you know downscaling, and it makes it look even better at 1080p. Yep. So That's there's no downside if you don't have a 4K TV to just buying this one. Yep. Um, couple more questions. other than the hard drive size. Yeah, which will sell more? I think the, I think the X will sell more. Yeah, the more expensive the, one, at least out of the gate, because I think the hardcore early adopter crowd is going to go for the power. Okay, that makes in sense. The long, in the long run, the S might be the winner, but I think like, at least in the first six months, I think the X is going to be win- be selling more. I, I don't know, because it's coming out right before Christmas, and there's going to be a lot of gift giving happening. I think the cheaper version has a chance to outsell the more powerful version. Um, a lot of it's going to depend on how much they make of each one as well. Right. I I think the X will sell out immediately and you will still be able to find the S semi-regularly on shelves if you are going into actual stores in the, in the, in the play <laughs> year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There may not be a, a thing even. Um, I I think it'll be close. I think it's going the cheaper version is going to sell more than people expect because I think most people are just going to assume it's the next generation. You want the most powerful console. Mm-hmm. I I think a lot of people will be able to look at the Series S and say, this is a much more powerful console. Like, this feels like next-gen to me. So I think it's going to be close. Uh, And then just a couple more notes. Um, Microsoft is pushing Xbox All Access hardcore with the Series X and the Series S, and it's it's readjusted kind of the plans a little bit. Um, Basically, you can get the Series S for $25 a month with nothing down, and you can get the Series X for $35 a month with nothing down, and you have to pay that amount for 24 months, at which point you would pay off the console, and at which point you would own the console. Um, Matt, do you think this is going to make a difference, make a dent in any way? I don't know. It's hard to predict, um, isn't it? Because yeah. the messaging is the hard part. It's like they've had this program for a long time, like mm-hmm. the last at least two years for Xbox One S, Xbox One X, and it didn't really catch on, but then they didn't really market it. Like I never saw a TV commercial for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put out a trailer, and that was like all they ever did. And we ended up having to use that trailer a billion times across all the shows that we've talked about it. But anyway, um, I just... I don't know if it's going to work if they don't put money behind it. People don't, if people don't know about it, they can't do it. Um, and I just wonder how they get that message out there that, hey, we have this like layaway plan thingy for Xbox. I mean, if they do get the message out, Matt, with tens of millions of Americans unemployed right now, I mean, it could provide a nice bump. There's a lot of people out there, who, you know, maybe worried that they may lose their job, maybe lost their job. Um, if they feel like they, they think they're going to get a job in the next couple months and they can pay 35 for a couple months until they get their job, 
they might jump in. Um, I mm -hmm. think it has a, an opportunity to do something, but Microsoft has to handle it correctly. As long as it doesn't like cost more than just buying it outright, which it doesn't, um, they should make that clear too. Yeah. Um, maybe like, I mean, Americans do love to owe more money for a luxury item now. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I I just don't know. Like I I mean I don't do that. Like I know confusing. I'm I am in a diff I know I'm in a different like financial position uh, in general. But like even when I didn't have much money to spend as a kid, like if I couldn't afford it, I didn't buy it. You know what yeah. I mean? I've like, never done a layaway in my life. No, never buy. Never. Yeah, I don't think I've ever done it. I do remember my mom doing it when I was a kid, and we go to Hills, which was like Walmart before Walmart existed. Um, and we would go in there and she'd like put a little bit down on whatever it was every week or whatever. And yeah, mm -hmm. eventually she'd pay it all off. So, I mean, it's super common. It's just like something I, I would never, like, I wouldn't do that for a non necessity, I guess is what I'd say. Yeah. Like, you know, yep. like if you got to do it to survive, like, or like you just need to get to the next paycheck, like absolutely. Um, but for a video game system, it seems like you should, you should, I don't know. I would, I have always made sure that I could just afford the luxury item before I did it. Um, I realize that is not necessarily true. Yeah, it doesn't work for a lot of people, unfortunately. It's not how the economy works, but... Yep. Um, uh, I think we both are, are skeptical that I'm it skeptical about it also just because it's like, it's it's just like, it's a two-year commitment to paying this thing off, and I'm like, I can't guarantee you're still going to enjoy an Xbox two years from now because I'm so skeptical about what its library is going to look like. You know, like if it was yeah. a PS5, I might feel better about it, frankly, because I know I there's going to be some other it's stuff be in there. Better than the Xbox One's library. Fair. Yeah, I mean, because it's going to have the Xbox One's library plus. <laughs> so <laughs> right, there right. you go. But I think the output, the new game output, will be better first party. I would output think so. Than I mean, it was you, for Xbox One. By around the time you finish paying it off the new studios will be playing. That's dividends. a good point. Actually, they'll start releasing their games. Finally. Yeah. Uh, and then the final sort of announcement was that EA play is going to be free and a part of EA game pass. Does anyone care? I mean, uh, you get Madden early, but it's does, already out. Does it get me, early, does it get me Star Wars bad. squadrons early? Cause that's the only thing I care about that they're putting out. Yeah, I don't know. Does it actually. get me a free copy of the Mass Effect remaster in February? Because I care about that. And if that stuff does, in fact, become a part of EA Play, then it actually could add some significant value. Yeah, but I feel like it's just going to be the usual thing. It's like, oh, you want to buy it? It's like five bucks off. It's, yeah, and it's just getting confusing. It's like, so what's the pitch for Xbox One X and Xbox, or Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S? What is it? It's... it's um. Really powerful, but not very powerful at all. Really expensive, but also really cheap. And hey, if you really want to make it work, here's this layaway plan we have. And you, if you're not convinced yet, you can also play EA's games on this service that they have that we're bringing into our... It just starts to become crazy. Mm -hmm. I... I don't know. I think you're you have it's very hard to come up with an message. elevator pitch for this. It thing. is. It really is. And that's the problem. And that's what people want. They want one sentence that they can hear that will help them decide things. And you just aren't going to get that with the new Xbox platform. So does hearing any of this believe, make you believe that their chances are any better than they were before? I mean, not really. Um I think the PS5 is going to do much better out of the gate. I mean, they're both going to sell out. Like, let's be honest. Like, they're you know, yeah. it's going to be hard to compare, 
early on. Yeah. But I think in the first, you know, the first year, I think the PlayStation Five is going to outpace the Xbox simply on the back of its first-party library and its brand name. Yep. Um, or how about the fact that its games just look better right now? Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, it, well, also it, we have have we we haven't even seen Xbox Series X gameplay really. No, anything not like legit to the metal first-party business like that, um, or even just stuff running on it really hasn't been shown. Like even stuff like you know even that Halo thing wasn't wasn't yeah. on the Series X, and I like know. you know it's almost significant that they showed Gears running on the Series S. Yeah, like that's one of the of only yeah, it's one of the only things we've seen running on the new system, like legitimately running on the new system, and it's you know doesn't really blow me out. The, yeah, it doesn't really <laughs> blow me out the back of the theater. I mean, if, we're if supposed I'm to pre-order it in what two weeks? Yeah, that's when they go on sale. And if chances are, if you want one for the holidays, you better be there. Is it September twenty second? Is that 22nd. what it is? Twenty yeah. second. Yep. So if you got your eye on one. You might want to get ready to uh, plunk yeah. down some. I mean, I'm sure you'll be able to resell it if you change your mind. Yeah, if you may yeah. have to sit on it till Christmas, maybe. But yeah, but I would imagine to, uh, there'll be some demand. It won't yeah. be like, but you know, we'll see. I mean, the Switch didn't really. Yeah, the Switch. I mean, I'm saying you could. I'm not saying you could scalp it for more money or anything. I'm just no, saying, no, no, like, no. You just get your money back if you. Yeah, when like yeah. when the Switch came out and it sold out, you couldn't really scalp it for anything, but you could definitely find a buyer if you didn't want it. Anymore, yeah, yeah, for, for sure. I mean, you, actually, scalpers were doing better. At the beginning of this year with Switch, my brother-in-law paid yeah. like four hundred and some dollars for a Switch on eBay because yeah, they were all sold people, out. There's still people on Amazon trying to charge fifty-four bucks for a six case of Bounty. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's like, bro, it's like, you're that's living not what, <laughs> It's not why they're called that, dude. Like, uh, before we we move on, for the record, I do want to say that I do think that this helped Xbox's chances a little bit. I'm having a three hundred dollar version of your console that mm. I believe. Most people are not going to be able to see the difference between that and the $500 version. I think that helps. So how much? I don't know, but I do think it helps. And I do think, you know, some people will get in on Xbox All Access. And maybe it's a viral thing. If people start using it and they start talking about it, other people use it. I don't think it's going to be that impactful, but it could help a little bit. So yeah. it's I would just say the hard drive is so yeah. small. Yeah, I know. It's but so I weird. Think- I mean, I know that you got to save space, save money because like, you know, SSD is not cheap uh, even so still bad, today. Dude. 500 gigs that fills up in like no that filled up in no time when the PlayStation 4 yeah. launched. Well, like, you're probably you're probably looking more like 450 when you're talking I mean, about they, the OS they, footprint. Right now, Modern Warfare is like approaching like 200 gigs. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. That's one game. That's almost half of your hard drive. So. And it's a game that you wouldn't want to uninstall. Yeah. You know, it's a game you'd have on your hard drive for a year yep. at least because yep. that's and what as, you play. Yep. And as you mentioned, the proprietary storage that they seem to be deploying for Xbox Series whatever mm-hmm. is really freaking expensive. So Now, look, I mean, there are people that doubted that price and were kind of like, look, if this thing is you know, the exact same item, if you buy it separately without the Xbox branding, is like $99. So how like, big? Make, Terabyte? One terabyte. Um, and so it's like, that might, it might have been a mistake, might have been a preliminary thing, might have been Canadian dollars, who freaking knows. Um, but but like, still an extra hundred bucks. Yeah. And that gets you up to 400 that you've then spent on the Series S, and mm-hmm. you only have an extra 500 gigs of space above what you would have got on the X, because the X is one terabyte, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're at one and a half terabytes at that point on your S, and you're at $400. 
So I don't know. And if you're trying to like, if, you, if you're trying to pull in your old library and like play stuff, you know, with backwards about like, you know, you can fill that up real fast. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's what they're pitching as well. Right. Play all your old games. Like really storage should be a big deal. It should be. It's very weird. I mean, I, SSDs are expensive. That's probably yeah. one of the biggest issues for them to keep the price down to a reasonable spot. So well, like one of the, one of the things, you know, maybe this is too late in the game for that to be a thing. Like one of the big techs I would have wanted to research for this is the ability to plug in an external hard drive that's just a regular hard drive and have some kind of thing, almost the way PlayStation does it, where they've got like that, um, that the, the fast access tech, but do something with that that lets you swap and install from the regular hard drive to the SSD really fast. Interesting. Um, and yeah. and give you like close as you can to like really close to instant access. Like you, you say, like, oh, I want to unarchive this and do this. I'm sure it will do that, but I wonder how long it will take. You know what I mean? Yeah. You are limited by how fast a hard drive can be access, a non SSD hard drive can be accessed. But it just seems like there's going to be a lot of swapping if you don't kind of, and eventually you're just going to end up getting so frustrated. You'll go ahead and give me your money for the SSD expansion. Like, <laughs> that's that seems to be that's the, plan. the plan all along. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, there you go. That's the Xbox Series S and, for all intents and purposes, the Xbox Series X as well. Um, we finally have all yeah. the details on both of them. We know launch date. We know price. There's really uh, nothing left to know. Yeah. I mean, we mostly know the launch lineup, uh, which obviously yeah. isn't as exciting as we had hoped. Yeah, which which isn't. Let's just say, let's just yeah. say that. It isn't yep. for the most part. It's not. Like, is there an exclusive thing on the launch lineup that... I mean, I know it's playable on PC and Xbox One. You know, there's no exclusive in that sense. But is there anything launching that's like it's just multi-platform stuff, really? Yeah. I mean, it looks like games. I mean, big game is Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Assassin's Creed bumped up its release so it could release with the Series X and the Series S, which coming out a week earlier now, which is exactly what I said was going to happen. I said they're going to, you know, Assassin's Creed launches with the Xbox, and Watch Dogs Legion launches with the PlayStation Five. So let's keep an eye on that. Yep. Uh, November 10th, like we've moved up. Uh, I am very curious if Cyberpunk will move up. Because mm. um, here's the thing. November 19th is the release date for Cyberpunk, right? That's a Thursday. Games yep. don't come out on Thursday. They come out they on do Friday. They their Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> uh, that's, that's the punk part, I guess. That's, it is. That's, that's, they, they won't exactly. be constrained by your traditional <laughs> shipping rules. By your rules. Tuesdays and Fridays. <laughs> it is bizarre. But I, I, I mean, they might be it. talking about how, like, or you, you know, you get midnight access or yeah. like 9 p.m. Pacific access on the I mean, on let's the 19th, be honest. But, CD Projekt Red wants to stay away from other big games, too. Like, look, it knows it's going to have the best selling game of Q4 in, in most likelihood, anyway. But it still wants to stay away from big games like Assassin's Creed that could conceivably lure someone away. So I don't think they're that bullheaded or that conceited that they would be like, you know what, we're just going to roll. Because you also have to remember, you're also getting Black Ops Cold War, which we're going to talk about later in the show. Mm -hmm. You're also getting that on November 13th. So there's all this big stuff rolling in there. I think. Yeah, you you wouldn't want to move up because then you'd be right up against it. Yeah, I think they'll stay where they are. But we'll see. You never know. Um, I so could anyway, see them moving up to that, like that, that like Tuesday instead of that Friday. Eh, that could work. Um, that would get them clear. Well, they'd still be real close to Call of Duty, unfortunately. Yeah, but they'd be past the weekend. Yep. So it's true. I mean, that might be all you can hope for at this point. Yeah, November's looking great. <laughs> it's really yeah. looking like an awesome month for video games, as it should be every stinking year. All right, we're gonna move on. We're gonna talk next about. Marvel's Avengers. So last week, Matt had been playing it. I had not played it. I had got the code and did not have a chance to play. I had said last week that we would not talk about it again. 
unless I spent some time with it. And I have. In fact, I'm pretty much right at the end of the game. It sounds like I'm kind of maybe a little bit further than where Matt was when we did the show last week. Uh, and Matt has also continued to play. So we're I think you are exactly where I was. Oh, okay. Um, so we're, we are going to discuss it one last time and give you our final takes on the game. Um, the first thing I would say is I've been seeing lots of reports online about bugs and glitches and crashes, and I have had plenty of those. I don't know if you have, Matt. Um, I haven't had any crashes, but I have had just weird little bugs, uh, like, you know, just gl like animation glitches and you know, characters pop back and forth on things and like just a couple things that are just like, what was that? Okay, fine. But I haven't had anything yeah. like game breaking. I have. I've had. I haven't had to fall through the world and get the auto save and have to delete your I save thing. That. I haven't had that. I've had <clears> like <throat> twice it's been that the game just froze at vendors. Hmm. You go into the vendor menu and it just freezes and you can't do anything. You can't even hit the PlayStation button to go back to the home screen on the PS4. It's just locked. So that happened twice at different vendors, not the same vendor either. Um, and then another time, the game just stopped working. It, the camera froze on a spot in the level, and it just stayed there. And that, that I was able to get back out of, get to the home screen, close the game, restart it. I had another bug uh, towards the end of the game. Um, there's this point where you need to get into the ship's hangar to do something. I'm trying not to spoil anything. And I needed to talk to someone before the ship's hangar door would activate so I could go through it. And the person I needed to talk to would not activate. So I had to like, do the same thing. Leave the game, turn the game off, close it out, start it over again. Oh, this, and when I loaded the save, he was active and I was able to continue. The B-roll right here, like last week I talked about the part where I, I jumped and I kind of auto-swung and fell and it reset me. And then I swung one extra thing and it took him a minute and a half to load. It was right there where she was about to jump on the, on the, the, the bars there. Uh, that's, that's I just that jumped happened. and fell because that part in particular... The context-sensitive swing prompts don't come up quickly. No, they don't pop up in the right timing yeah. on that. And section. look, I've I've seen I've been across a lot of stuff like that in this game. Not a ton, but a lot. Um, There's been a few things, even like just like you know, holding square to activate things. Sometimes I'm like, you should just give me that. Like yeah. you have to angle yourself at the control panel a certain oh, I, it's way. It's hilarious. Like I, my like, character is like just running like two steps, two steps, trying to get to where the prompt will. Here, here's mm -hmm. a tip for game developers. If my character is within three virtual feet of, yeah. just put the prompt just up. Just let it happen and and suck me into the animation. Yeah, like, I'm totally cool with that. It's freaking annoying. It's just, it's a little thing that adds up over the course of the game. Like there was mm. been sometimes in the game where I went to a door and nothing popped up. And I was like, okay, I don't have to go that way. And then I run off, and it turns out that the prompt just didn't pop up on the door. And I go back, and after I ran around, I'm like, what? And I go back and double check, and then it pops up that time. Like, yeah, it's more annoying than most games that have that problem, I guess is the best way I can Yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of quality of life problems, basically. Yeah. Um, and things I would reckon, you know, there's like little things like, you know, every day you have daily objectives, like any kind of game like this, for like mm -hmm. the for the the for the for Pim's group and for the Shield group, and you have to talk to the individual representatives of those groups to get those objectives, and that's fine when you're on the helicarrier. You got to talk to the Shield woman about it, but then you got to go all the way to the other base yep. and sit through that load screen and run up and talk to that woman and get all the things. Then you're, you got nothing else to do. I, I, all I, all you did was sit through like a minute long load screen 
you get a bunch of stuff that really should be automatically added to you every day. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, and it's just things that like destiny didn't know. I mean, destiny had similar problems at launch too, but it's like destiny went through that. So you shouldn't have, so you could learn from that and not have these problems at launch, but here we are. And those are very minor things, you know, and that's comes from, you know, I finished the campaign and do the, do some like every, every other day or so I play it again. And I've done some of the post campaign storyline things and the solo stuff and the, things they throw at you for that. And those are all fun. And, uh, and they've stayed more fun, uh, even though they're less story intensive, you know, they don't have like elaborate cutscenes or anything, but it is fun to, you know, finally have all four, you know, uh, my choice of four Avengers running around doing stuff and working together. And there's some cool ways that the various fighting techniques kind of, but that each of them have like work together. And that's the best part of the campaign. Unfortunately, it just comes way too late. You don't get to really assemble and fight with all the other Avengers until like the final act pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um, which I was a little disappointed in, to be honest. But but when those parts get there, it's great. It's really amazing kind of being like Thor or Iron Man and being far back from the fight and seeing the three other Avengers fighting and then flying in and just, it's great. Like that, this game engenders those feelings. Only at the end of the game, though, I was kind of hoping I'd be able to get it through the whole thing. I'm hoping Um, they do something with like, as they go you know, further and doing more seasons and do I, like, I hope they do more like cinematic, you know, cinematic content that like, you know, cause there's a lot of hints at like what could be coming yep. at, by the end of the game. And you'll see more in the final mission that you're like, Oh, I, I mean, if you know Marvel stuff, you're like, Oh, I see where you're going with this. Gotcha. Um, this could be an expansion. This could be an expansion. This could be an expansion. Um, and, uh, and I hope they do that beyond, you know, because some of it's just like, okay, so if you're doing this, I see that that's probably going to be part of the solo campaign for this DLC character we know is coming because people have dug into the game and found it. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I hope at some point we also get like a campaign, a, a campaign expansion like what Destiny does as well. Because they, I think they did, you know, that is definitely the best thing in the game is that campaign. Like that campaign's an 8 out of 10 to me. Uh the rest of the game kind of drags it down yeah, overall it a little bit. Um, but like, I think they did a really good job with, with the campaign. Uh, and I don't say that about Marvel stuff all that often. Um, they, they, I do wish there was more team oriented, you know, the teams together and doing stuff together um, stuff. And I hope they, they move into that moving forward because that, that, cause that actually worked. Like, and I was skeptical about that, especially from, you know, uh, early on when we saw that first demo, where it was like, oh, everybody's got their own section, but no one's really fighting together. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if they just couldn't get that to gel properly. But you know, once you're playing some of these missions, like even this one that we're seeing right now, like it it feels good. Like you know, you're yeah, it does fighting stuff, and then suddenly the Hulk comes in and smashes the yeah, yeah, the, the it's drone awesome. right when you need him to. And like I've yeah. done stuff where like I've been I, I was black. Or they Widow revive for a while you even. And, like if you die, like yeah. they they'll revive you. That's, they're pretty good at it. And like yeah. I was, you know, I'm Black Widow, and I'm punching a guy, and a guy's coming up behind me, and I know I can't get to him before my combo's done. But then suddenly Thor's hammer comes out of nowhere and knocks him against yeah. the wall, and I'm like, that's, oh, that's great. great. It's yep. really cool. I just wish there was more of it. Yeah, um, for sure. My other, probably my biggest criticism of the game is the gear. <laughs> I hate the it so much. My voice the gear doesn't cracked. need to be there. <laughs> it's like, it's it's insane. I you pick up like a new piece of armor that's if it's not a level higher than what you currently have, you go to like the sub level and it's like one higher, and you it just you can just spend all day constantly going into your inventory and equipping something more powerful. I, I just think in general with games as a service, and look, it, a lot of games as a service do this, just in general, like, I prefer games like God of War, where you get, like, 
an iconic either upgrade to an existing weapon or a brand new weapon. Like these little like incremental stat increases that they keep getting. Like I hate it. And again, this isn't the only game guilty of it, but this is one of the worst cases of it. It is insane. Like my it's my gear's always full. I'm always having to break stuff down. Like I forget and like stuff is getting sent back to like the 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 lockbox back on the shit. Like it's which crazy. is a pain to access in most it, it cases. Is. Except between the between mission screens, but sometimes you can't really stick at that. I don't I think the gear will almost inevitably be streamlined going forward. Like it, it feels like something that's really going to need to be addressed. Um in the same way that, like, you know, Mass Effect 2 streamlined Mass Effect 1's inventory. Because, um, like, I, you know, pretty quickly, in the, even in the campaign, I hit the point where I just, I just hold the L2 and, you know, I optimize the gear and call it a day because yeah. who gives a shit? It like, doesn't it does, matter. It really doesn't matter. You can't ever especially as you're see still, the difference. Especially as you're still leveling up. Like, some of the, it makes a difference in some of the effects that can be triggered, yep. like the perks on them. Right. Yep. But, like, you're never going to, even if I like the perk on this one particular piece of armor, I can, you know, no, no matter, I can't upgrade it enough to keep up with the, the, the growing levels because the levels go higher and higher and higher. So I know yeah, that I'm basically upgrade like your gear. It's insane. Like right. there's a whole system built into the game to upgrade your gear with resources. Well, I like that's once, that I assume is only five minutes later. I pick something up off the ground that was more powerful than the thing I just spent the resources. Well, on. that's why I'm saying. So this that's an end game thing. Like that, like that's there. So like you can continue to upgrade stuff like at the at basically max level and upgrade gear into something. But like. Again, it's, it's it's pointless to have it there as you're leveling, like, it, yep. and and it's just sort of a, a drain on resources and sort of confusing to someone who doesn't know that that's an end game thing for your average MMO situation. So there's got to be a better way to streamline that and make it feel like less like a chore and less like less pointless because it doesn't really do anything. The vendors um, it might are be also better just to like just to give game. me per perk stuff. You know, yeah. perk stuff might be a better thing to just earn in general. The vendors also, I feel like, are just worthless in this game. Every yeah, time I I've never on, bought, a, I've they, never bought a thing from a vendor. They're pointless. They the, all the gear is underpowered compared to what you have, and they're expensive. Like, mm -hmm. I look at stuff that I actually have in my inventory, and they want so much resources for it. I'm like, I picked this up off the ground, and you want all that for it? Yeah, the the gear, the vendors, all that stuff is just. I don't even know why it exists. I mean, I get it. End game, it has more importance, but. To the vast majority of people who play this, there's no reason for the stuff to be in there. It's just bloat. Uh, it's like it's in there to say, yeah, we got that. Like, I, this game could have been streamlined a lot. Now, I did end up liking, and I haven't seen the end yet, so I don't know what big twist or whatever may happen at the end. But I have liked the story for the most part. Like, kind of the, there was one part where Miss Marvel miraculously figures something out based upon some very cryptic statement that someone said. And I was like, oh, okay. You figured that out based upon that. Oh, but otherwise... The, the funny thing on that is that I did figure that out because of how she said that. What? Like, yeah. I mean, look, I read a lot of comic books. Like, that. that is... The, the way she... The, you know, the phrasing of how she said that, I'm like, oh, I get what that means. Oh, because that leap of logic to me was like, boing. <laughs> no, like, she, okay. no I, I got what she was saying there. Like, I'd be interested. I, my my irritation with that plot point is how long it took them to figure it out. Yeah. I was like, God, I'm sitting here, sitting here waiting for this cutscene to finish. I'm like, Yes, get to it. Come on. Yeah. Like, um, we've I, all I, we've all read a comic book before. Get to it. I think what I would just say in general about this game is, if you're a big Marvel fan, you're gonna like it a lot more than most people. Um, you're gonna overlook a lot of that stuff. Like I, Matt, I never would have ever deduced that that's what she was talking about from what she said. Like in a billion years, I never would have thought that. So, and I think 
most people are like me. They like Marvel. They like the movies. Maybe they've read comics when they were younger. Um, I mean, there's a reason it's phrased the way it's phrased. Like I, I, didn't, I didn't find I didn't find that to be particularly cryptic. In fact, I was waiting for the characters to catch up. Basically, interesting. Okay. Um. um maybe I, I watched I think, a lot of police procedurals. I don't know. Like yeah. it, it, was, it was just really obvious. Interesting. Me. Uh, this this is kind of a love letter to hardcore Marvel fans, I think, um, because the whole plot is about a fangirl who becomes a part of the Avengers. Like it's oh, yeah. it's like. It's like a hardcore Avengers fan's wet dream. And the way that they get her from being fangirl to actually a part of the team, it makes sense. Like, they do a good job of, like, easing her into missions where you can realistically say, okay, she can probably handle this. So, and building and building until she's fighting with the team at the end. I think they do a masterful job of handling all that stuff. Um, and I liked the character. Miss Marvel was great. Um, there are a lot of references and plot points that are very relevant to what's going on right now because there's like a major disease that's affecting everyone and they're trying to find a cure for the disease, a vaccine. And mm -hmm. uh, it, there are some very relevant things in the game that relate to today. And I think they were pretty smart about how they wrote around those things and did a it's good interesting. job. Well, I mean, it's stuff. obviously that was planned years and years ago. It's right. interesting to yeah. see that this is part of this is sort of a, a remnant of when, when they started working on this, I'm sure that the Inhumans movie was still planned to happen. Probably um, yeah. because it's so focused on Inhumans. Because for a long time, uh, the Inhumans were kind of what they were trying to angle as the replacement for mutants uh, because they didn't want to use X-Men because Fox owned the license and it didn't do Marvel Studios any good. Mm -hmm. So Inhumans, they pushed as sort of like the new mutant thing. Uh, and then they bought Fox, and then Disney bought Fox and they got the license back and they don't ever need to do, talk, about the, talk about the Inhumans again, basically. <laughs> um, but uh, but you can see if you're familiar with X Men, the Inhumans in, in this game are treated very much like the X Men, like the, like mutants would be. Um, it's like it's sort of their prejudice, and people think they're they're a disease or whatever. You know, it's, it's all kind of there, uh, which I assumed is where they were going with with the Terrigen thing when they first announced. And the other thing uh, that I think calls it out as a a hardcore Marvel uh, Marvel fan thing is the fact that AIM is the bad guys, which is a pretty deep cut. For in terms of Marvel bad guys, they're they're kind of boring, um, and they're also all, also yellow. Like I hate the color scheme on on pretty much all the villains, and I know that's the color that I aim is. And I do give them credit for like like I said I was saying like you know aim starts pretty like normal, but you know Modok is showing up because Modok is a big deal in the in the aim hierarchy, and I give them credit for finding a way to get Modok to work uh, at least in concept. Um, so it's. Generally, do you like stuff there. Uh, the mad scientist antagonist in anything? Like not, not usually. Um, yeah, I don't usually either. I find the uh, I f in terms of Avengers villains, I find Hydra more more uh, compelling because Hydra yep. is basically Nazis, uh, and and I mean Hydra is so somewhat, but I, Hydra was also sort of a James Bond thing until the eighties or nineties. Mm -hmm. um, Hydra is very much based on Spectre, uh, the, the in the comics, the original comics, and then. Uh, Cobra comes from in GI Joe comes from Hydra. That's why they're called Cobra because it's right. just another it's, no, it's another reptile, you know, Hydra. Yep. Um, and so I think Hydra is a more interesting villain, but like you can't really fuck with Hydra because the movies have done them so integrally, and they've kind of automatically made them a Nazi equivalent. So like I feel like they probably don't want that in this game right now. Yeah. Uh, so you make you do aim, and they're just sort of evil tech people, and it's simple, and no one cares, and they're all robots, so you don't get an M rating. So screw it. Yep. Um, Matt, I think my biggest issue with this game is over after a while it became monotonous. Um, yeah. be because 
And they did a really good job of making each hero work with the same control scheme, which is hard. But at the same time, I also felt like it held back some of the characters because they were trying to make that same scheme work with all of them. Mm, I think you feel that in the campaign, but as, as, I, as I played post-game content and leveled them up more, like my Iron Man and doesn't play anything like my Ms. Marvel who doesn't play anything like Black Widow. So well, I think they've differentiated like, them pretty well. The question becomes like, is there enough in there to make you want to keep playing to actually see that happen? It's like, I don't want to fight any more robots, dude. That, I mean, that I definitely sympathize with. I mean, with. you're just fighting the same, like, five or six robot types over and over. I and mean, over. I was a little dismayed when I looked at the Codex early on and realized how few enemies there are. Yeah. You know, there's, like, I mean, there six bosses. Really, like, and boss, yeah, the bosses hardly ever happen. Like, And they're yeah. almost all, again, robots. They're not yeah. Marvel supervillains. And, and I know the they're saving a lot like of those. The, a human but, inside the robot. It's like... Mm-hmm. Again, I, the mad scientist thing, a lot of times that's what ends yeah. up... And I know they're happens. saving a lot of that for the DLC. Like the, the solo heroes all get their own bosses and that will probably be more... You know, that'll probably be more like how the Hulk fights the Abomination near the beginning of the game. Uh, you know, I, I imagine they'll have, you know, smart, recognizable Marvel supervillains who are, you know, associated with those characters as they, as they come along. But um, in the campaign we got, like, I feel like you're fighting nondescript giant robot stuff way too much. Yep. It's just um, the same thing over and over. Um, and I got just, so tired of like coming over the horizon and just seeing another giant robot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by that by the end of the campaign, I was definitely invested by the in the characters. Yeah, and not sure. what I was going to punch next. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely definitely true. Um, and then to your kind of to your point about or to my point earlier about how I felt like it held some of the characters back. I was kind of talking about like Thor and Iron Man. Um, they're basically. At least when I play those two characters, I feel like I'm playing Anthem. But the controls in Anthem are better, I think. The way that mm-hmm. they handled the flying, the landing, the shooting, the re-taking flight, that whole, fe- the feel of that and the process of that, to me, feels way better in Anthem. And I think the reason it's not quite as good here is because they were trying to shoehorn the way they were doing it into a control scheme that worked for all the characters. Um, I wouldn't really agree with that. I do think Anthem feels better to fly around and land in, but I think it's because Anthem has more room to work with. Um, also, Anthem is much more uh, distance based. Um, you know, there's no, there's not a lot of melee. Whereas, like the flying with Iron Man and Thor is very driven by air comboing, um, and that's very satisfying to me. Like I've gotten some, it is some pretty extensive air combos off with Iron Man. Like I Crazy really like how he plays. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done it too. So, like, yeah, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, like it definitely doesn't feel as fun to fly around and and land like like an anthem. Or is intuitive. Come. It just I it just mm-hmm. doesn't feel as right the way there that- is, there are still things where like you know because like you hold X to take off and then you tap but, X to to fall. There's still moments where yep. I hit X the wrong way and fall yep. instead of like lower. So yep. like, yeah, it's still not quite as intuitive. Yep. But I mean, I don't have a problem with it. But like, yeah. Yeah. It works fine. But I'm just saying, I feel like it could have been better if they had tailored each scheme to each character. But then you have the problems with the casuals who are like, oh, it's different now. I don't get it. So mm-hmm. I understand why they did it that way. I just think they could have maybe done a little bit of a better job. I just but, think that I think it's probably the best job anyone's ever done with something like that, you know, in terms of having that wide cast that all has to play somewhat differently, but has to kind of have a unified control scheme. Because like the comparison would be something like Ultimate Alliance. Yeah, where oh, this is everyone's way literally just the same character with different super moves, you know? And, and that's the thing. This is, I wouldn't say it's even 
top three superhero games ever made, but it is so much better than other games of its ilk. Like mm -hmm. all I put in the top ten. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. But like all those Ultimate Alliance games, they can't hold a candle to this game. It destroys them, hands mm -hmm. down. Um, Other than the rosters, like obviously the rosters on yeah, the yeah, Ultimate yeah. Alliance games are bigger. But, uh, but I'd say like you know give give this, give this thing a character, and I'd say give this thing a couple of years, right? And we'll see we'll where we'll see you are. we'll see where it is. Absolutely. Um, so now that I've basically finished the game, and I will say this, I've not played any more of the post game content. Does it mm -hmm. change much from what I played in the beta? Um, a little bit. I mean, there there's a story to them. So like once the okay. once the campaign finishes, you get a bunch of other like objectives that pop up, and several of them are narrative. Like there's okay. a, their mission their mission change change with a narrative about like you know rebuilding Shield or finding Fury's data things or whatever. And they're okay. all sort of the same. Like you know, go to the thing and perform a certain type of mission, which they tell you what kind of mission it is before you go in. You know, it's like go oh, smash the things before you get de defeated, or like you know guard the vault and you know activate the things and then defend it from things. They're all kind of the same mission type that you played in the in the in the beta. You know, those the non-story missions. So yeah, so there's basically a framework, but the actual moment-to-moment yeah. -moment stuff. And you're getting you know, you're getting like cutscenes at the war table before you start them and there's dialogue okay. that kind of explains what's happening narratively. And then there's like, you know, and a couple things. There is a confusing thing, uh, and it happens with the solo uh mission mission chains too, where they'll send you out on a mission and then when you finish the mission, the next phase of that mission is to do a bunch of shit. Like, not to do an, the next mission on the war table, but it's like, okay, you finished the first mission of, like, Black Widow's solo thing. Now the second phase of her solo thing is do this many combos and use the grappling hook to hit this many aerial enemies and, like, g gain this much experience from doing this or like whatever. A checklist of stuff. Like a checklist of stupid human tricks, basically. <laughs> and then once you do that, you get it unlocks the next actual mission you can choose on the war table. And I did not figure that out for a while because I was like, well, wait, where's the next mission? Cause I'm just looking on the war table for the next black widow symbol. Right. And like, I, and I'm like, there's only one, but it's the mission I already did. So I guess I'll do it again. And I did it again. And I kept, I was completing objectives, but I was completing objectives by doing fighting things certain way. And finally I figured out, okay, so sometimes it just tells you the next phase in the, in this mission chain is to do a bunch of other stuff and then come back to the mission chain when the next location opens up which i thought was confusing um which might have just been me not paying attention to what it was telling me but like i don't look at the objective screen too much you know i just sort of like yeah. assume i'm gonna go punch stuff and that's it um so that was sort of a thing that took me a little while to figure out because for a while i was just like where is my next mission on this thing? Um, <laughs> now, but it's pretty good this. now that i'm at the end of it it does feel a little too short to me because uh, if what you're telling me is accurate and i believe it is um the end game does not hold a lot of interest for me. And mm. I played the game for a good bit one day and then another day, like, solid. And I'm pretty much at the end of it. Um, mm. And knowing the post-game stuff, at least in my opinion, isn't great. It's hard for me to recommend this game for hardcore gamers. But to casual people, I would say buy it, put it on easy, and love it. Um if you're just a casual gamer who loves the Avengers, if you put this game on easy and just whack through it, you're going to have a blast. Um, and I think maybe that audience is more important than us for a game like this. I hate to admit it, but it probably is. And I think for that audience... And the casual audience is definitely going to be what makes this game a hit or and not. I think they're going to sure. love it. I honestly yeah. think Seems casual like players do. will love this game. Yeah.
And uh, I mean, I still enjoy uh, playing. You know, I've enjoyed picking a character. You know, I pretty much picked Iron Man. I, I have ended up focusing on Black Widow more than I thought because I like how she plays. Um, but I did play a lot of Iron Man in the post game to kind of level him up and see where I got. I got to be like level 45 or so. With wow. Him. Um, <laughs> Holy crap. But like, uh, and he, once you like up, upgrade the various things, kind of choose your enhancements on the other skill trees and stuff for his various abilities. Like he really, I, I was pretty able, much able to tailor him to like what I like best about him and kind of make him into what I wanted. Uh -huh. uh, to, as far as the combat system is allowing you that kind of lateral freedom. And I was pretty happy with him. Like, I enjoy playing as Iron Man. Um, I do think the missions are, are samey to the point that I play like two or three and I'm kind of done for the day, which yeah. is really all you need to play to finish the daily objectives and call it a day. I mean, that's like, a I, game as a service right there. Exactly, that's how it exactly. Works. <laughs> um, so I, I can definitely see myself coming back to this pretty regularly. And uh, certainly when they add new content or add new characters, I will definitely do some of that. Um, so like that would be my recommendation to you is like pick whatever character you think is the coolest and try to like kind of play some play the I would say play the shield post game uh, mission chain and see see Honestly, how you feel at the end. I of think it. I enjoyed playing Miss Marvel more than any of the other. Miss Marvel's a lot of fun. Like there, the only character in the game that I I just don't quite click with is Hulk, um, which is funny because Hulk is the only one in that original demo I thought felt like he. Looked like he played like himself. Right. Yeah. Hulk was the only one that looked like they nailed to me. But you hardly play him. It's, it's funny. Like if you play the the beta or the demo, like you would assume mm -hmm. like Hulk's. I like you play him in the beginning, then you don't play him again for a long time. Um, yeah. Unless you do his solo stuff. Right. Right. But I'm just um, saying, if you're playing through the campaign, um, I really I, like how Miss Marvel plays. I love her animations. I love her attacks. Her. I like getting her new attacks because I get to see some of the, some new animation and see mm -hmm. how they've animated some of this crazy like morphing stuff that they're doing. Uh, and they just, realize her very impressive. well, especially for a character yeah. that like you know she's pretty new. That character's only been around since 2014. Yeah, in the comics and like she's never really been realized in a an art style that's this, for lack of a better term, realistic. You right. Know? Like you know, this is not a cartoony looking game for the most part. And so I think I think they made her look really good in, in how she fights and how all that stuff because that could look really stupid and it kind of does but that's sort of and the time. charm of it. Well, like the loading screen where she's standing there and she just has her fists up and her fists are like Huge. gigantic. Yeah. It's like at first you see it and it doesn't click and then you're like, oh my god, her hands yeah. are like the size of her torso. And it's all just you know like she calls her you know her her super move and like she does that in the comics too. She calls it embiggening. Yeah. Which is, of course, a Simpsons reference. Right. And it's yeah. just, you know, it's, 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 she's sort of a, she's a very post postmodern character because she's a fan of the things we're a fan of. Yeah. She writes and fan she fiction. Behaves that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think they brought that through too. Like it's a, clearly was made with love, even if they yeah. didn't accomplish everything they were after. But like, I appreciate what they're doing. I so, guess that would be the best way to say it. Final determination. Do you think people should buy it, Matt? Um, I think people should try it. You know, like even if you don't want to pay full price for it, like this thing you know, with uh, you know, looks like it's selling okay. I feel like this thing's gonna be around a while. Yeah, um, like any game well, of the service, be a game of the service. Yeah, it's well, not there. Well, hey, scrap. <laughs> I mean, hey, we saw what happened with Anthem. I mean, not that That's Anthem true. went away, but has Anthem done anything recently? No. Yeah. Um, uh, if they ever do that, like big revamp, they're claiming they're gonna do. Like, who knows? Yeah. Um, but like, in terms of this, like, I. 
if you're skeptical about it, like I don't think this thing's going away anytime soon. And these games it'll get inev- cheaper and cheaper. They'll get cheaper, and these kinds of games inevitably go free uh, to play eventually. <laughs> go free to play, but also improve over time. Yeah, yeah, for get, sure. And get refined and streamlined, and just you know that you 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 know the, no battle plans arise contact with the enemy. And as soon as you put this thing out in the world, you're going to get tons of feedback about how it could be better and how it could be streamlined and how it could be a more enjoyable experience. And I think that will happen. And maybe like, you know, a year from now, maybe next summer, you know, when the drought hits again, you know, if you're on the fence about this thing, probably cheaper by then. Maybe there'll be some free to play stuff. Maybe it'll be a free weekend or something. Give it a shot by then. Yeah, because look, because like the moment to moment stuff like Destiny is a lot of fun. It is. Yeah, it really it really works. And like once you pick that character that you like the best, like you can really stick you know, one in the post game, especially you can really stick with them and sort of evolve them into how you want them to play. And it's a lot of fun. And uh, if they ever get the fucking matchmaking to work properly, it'd be a lot of fun to play with other people. So yeah, I've not been able to play the campaign with anyone. It will no, never none match. Of, none of that has worked. I have gotten matchmaking to work uh, like randomly on uh, a couple of post game, like just war table missions, but it's unreliable. And it's sometimes awful, I just give up. dude. It's really We talked weird. about this last week, remember? Mm-hmm. You were like, it's not working. And you're like, I'm not concerned. And I was like, I'm concerned it launches in two days. And here we are a week later, and it's still not working. And that's bad. Um, I would not recommend someone buys this, this game. Now, if somebody tells me they love Marvel movies, they love the MCU, yeah. Again, put it on easy, and you're going to love it. But as far as our audience, uh, the core gamers, and a lot of it has to do with when it's coming out as well. Right. This game had come out in February or April or January. I would absolutely tell you to buy it without a doubt. But there are so many big products coming up in the next like 60 days. You got two consoles coming. You got the biggest games of the year coming. Um, unless you're just hurting for something to play. And again, like, I've probably played 12 hours at this point and I'm pretty much at the end. Um, unless you're just absolutely hurting for something to play, I have a really hard time recommending this game as, as mm-hmm. a full price purchase. Like I, like I enjoy it. I don't regret having bought it, but I would kind of slot it in the keep an eye on it. It look, range, it did hook know? me. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. It hooked me. I started playing it again after having played the beta and I didn't know if I was going to get into it and I got into it right away and got hooked and played it for two days straight basically and now it's over and that's pretty much what you're looking at you're looking at about 12 ish hours of gameplay you can get through in a couple Mm -hmm. days and then the end game stuff in my opinion is really hard to get through right now but as matt said it should improve over time so maybe this is a game where you buy it full price you play the campaign you put it away for a little bit play all the big stuff in q4 wait for the dust to settle from that and then you go back to the service stuff and by then hopefully They've got it spruced up to a place yeah. where, and they are, you know, they they they've got a plan out for like how many characters yep. are coming out by the end of the year and yeah. moving forward into Q one. And uh, I think I'm I'm very curious to see what this looks like by the end of March. Yep. Like I feel like I feel like they might have a we'll have a clearer picture by then of sort of how they intend to keep updating this and how it intends to sort of attempt to keep people's interest. So. Yep. I, I, I wouldn't super recommend full price purchase unless you're a super hardcore Marvel fan who isn't afraid. And then it's a no-brainer. Like, no-brainer. Yeah. If you're a hardcore Marvel fan, go buy it. Um, but like, I do, I would, my main thing would be like, don't just dismiss it. Like, keep oh, an eye right. on it, see yeah, what they do with it. For sure. Oh, it's, it's, it's a good game. I mean, don't get me wrong. It has a lot of problems in it. It feels like it may have worked better as just a traditional action adventure game with just. I would definitely play. not have had a problem. Look, 
I would, you know, as much like I said about Iron Man VR, just give me an Iron Man game. Right. Just give me an yeah. open world single player yeah. Iron Man game and call it a freaking day. Like I'll play like a some kind of like anthem crossed with Arkham City thing with Iron Man any day of the week. Like yep. you don't need to like I mean I know but I know this is the revenue model now or at least it was when they started development on this thing. So it may not be by are. the time they start the sequel. We'll see how it's Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> uh okay, it's time to move on. We're going to talk next about something that just literally happened like 3 hours ago. I've been scrambling all day to get this into the show on time and that is the multiplayer reveal for Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Uh, and what a reveal it was. Uh, like 30 minutes of preview of Black Ops multiplayer. Well, Cold, I guess we should start calling it Cold War now. Um, because now Black Ops is no longer the subtitle. It's actually a part of the primary title. Now it's called Call of Duty Black Ops colon Cold War. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing they're going to keep doing that going forward. I have to try to remember uh, to reference it that way from here on out. Uh, but they revealed a ton of information. And then the crazy part about it is that they did they still didn't talk about zombies, which is Treyarch. Treyarch invented zombies. It's what it's known for. If you actually watched the live stream, the chat was literally just zombies, 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 zombies <laughs> the whole time. Just like people, where are zombies? Where are zombies? They never showed it. Instead, they focused on the competitive multiplayer stuff. And if you're one of those people who says, you know what, year to year Call of Duty multiplayer doesn't change all that much, I think this game will prove you right, to be perfectly honest with you. It does not, there's a lot to talk about, but to me, most of it doesn't change things drastically. And again, this is coming from someone who has played a lot of Call of Duty, so your mileage will vary with my opinion depending on how much you play. Uh, there were a couple tenets that they sort of followed when creating anything for this game. And the first one was deniable ops. They must have said that phrase 300 times in the 20-some minute presentation that they gave. Um, it is set in the 80s like the campaign, the multiplayer is. And that has an effect on what's in the multiplayer. Um, so a lot of their modes are themed around like CIA undercover stuff, thus the deniable ops. You can't admit that you're on the operation. Um, and then the other thing that they kept mentioning over and over was plausible, meaning that they wanted people to feel like what they're doing in this Call of Duty is something that conceivably you could do in real life. And to that end, they have pretty much hacked out everything that makes the, that made the gameplay interesting in prior Treyarch Call of Duty games. They have taken out wall running now after they took out all the other stuff before the last Black Ops game. Um, and it is just another boots-on-the-ground shooter. There is a slide, um, and they did change the locomotion of players a little bit. Um, so when you first start sprinting, you have like this very quick burst, and then it kind of evens out over time, which makes sense. That's very realistic. Um, but if you like the wall running, if you like the jetpacks of some prior Call of Duty games, all that stuff is gone. And I do know that most of you prefer the boots-on-the-ground combat. I personally don't. I know most of you guys do, so I get it. Um, Another big thing, naval combat. So I think you're starting to see some of the Warzone stuff trickle into Call of Duty proper. So one of the maps uh, is called Armada, and there are like five huge battleships in the water, and then you can travel from one battleship to another using jet skis and boats. Um, and that, to me, is pretty cool because what it does is it, it forces you, 
you to use every element of Call of Duty. So in Call of Duty, some maps are called sniper maps. Some maps are called CQC maps, close quarters combat maps. That kind of a map works for everything because you can have snipers on the ships, sniping people traveling in boats or sniping people on the other ships. But once you get on the ship, then it's very tight. You have that close quarters combat that a lot of people sort of associate with Call of Duty. So I like those kind of concepts, but then you also have the traditional three-lane maps, which they talked about over and over again, uh, which are going to be a big part of Cold War as well. Um, vehicles in general are just a bigger part of the game in all the multiplayer modes, not just Warzone, which is going to be included in this, and they're going to start augmenting it with content from Cold War. They're going to start augmenting Warzone with it. Um, but otherwise... There was two new modes that they talked about. Um, one of them is called VIP Escort. And basically, you have one player who is the VIP, and all they have is a pistol and a smoke grenade. And then one team tries to escort him off the map while the other team tries to stop him. And it's round-based, and if you die, you have to wait until uh, the round's over before you respawn. Um, that seems to be, based on reports, the most popular new mode that they showed. Uh, people seem to like it a lot because it is something completely different. Escorting something off a map is something that's never really happened in a Call of Duty, which is weird, but it's hmm. absolutely true. I know, it's crazy. It seems like such a basic thing. I know. I, but I can also see where it would be fun, to be honest yeah. with you. Especially if you're the VIP and all you have is that pistol and a smoke grenade to try to get away. Uh, and then the only other new stuff that they really showed mode-wise was called Combined Arms. And it is basically replacing Ground War, which was the huge, like, 64-player uh, war mode in prior Call of Duties. Now it's only 24 players, so you're losing 40 players. Um, but the difference with this is, is they're, they're objective-based modes. So as you're playing, there are things that are happening on the map, almost like cinematic stuff and, like, story-based stuff that you need to attend to, and that all happens kind of organically while the match is happening. Um, it sounded like they didn't. most of the journalists did not get a chance to check out a lot of that, so there wasn't a lot of feedback about it, unfortunately. But again, at least they're trying something new. Um, back to the combat, like I said, boots on the ground. Um, a lot of the weapons that you're used to in Call of Duty are missing because they were invented after the 80s, and this game is set in the 80s. So like, I think the P90 is one of the guns mm -hmm. that's missing. Um, a lot of the more tech-heavy guns are not going to be included, and that carries over into the score streaks and once again they are score streaks not kill streaks they jump back and forth from one game to the next once again they're score streaks so a lot of the tech heavy score streaks are gone uh but you get some of the more 80s flavored stuff um that was in prior black ops that i really liked like uh i think chopper gunner is coming back which is a, one of my favorites um what else uh, the ultimate abilities are gone, so those like supers that you could pull off in the last couple games, they've removed those. I mean, they've basically just chopped everything down to you've got a gun and you can run. <laughs> and that's pretty much all you can do now in Call of Duty. And again, I know a lot of you guys like that. Um, and I realize removing variables in a lot of ways makes it more balanced, totally get all that stuff. I just enjoy the entertainment value of having some of the, the more in-depth traversal that we've got in prior games. Um, create a class has gone to a slot-based system. It's no longer a pick 10. Um, you can also now roll shotguns. What was it? Shotguns, rocket launchers, and maybe sniper rifles are now considered secondary weapons, which is something that you could not do before in Call of Duty. Um, so now you can have like 
an assault rifle and then quickly pull up your shotgun if someone gets in close, um, which should change a lot of skirmishes. I like that idea a lot. Um, what else? Um, field upgrades um, also is something new. And they are things that you can deploy. And if you die, when you come back, they're still there. So they don't disappear or they're not wiped out when you die. The same thing happens with score streaks. Um, so score streaks, you know how when you play Call of Duty and you're like one kill away from getting a score streak, so you like go and camp or you hide because you don't want to die before you get that one more kill that you needed to get your streak. Well, they're basically just doing away with all that now. And they're encouraging you to want to stay um, engaged in the firefights at all times and not worry about, oh my gosh, I hit the, the hilt for my streak. I better use it now before I die and I lose it, or I better make sure I, I'm one kill away from getting it. I better hide so I get that kill slot. All that stuff is gone. Again, a really smart change that should have happened a long time ago. Um, Gunsmith is being blown out. Another thing that should have been called to a long time ago, Gunsmith will now actually tell you how adding or removing attachments affect the performance of your gun in a percentage basis. It's no longer this... Well, this is supposed to like hurt my aim steady, but I don't know how much. Now you know how much everything affects everything. And also, wild cards are coming back, but now you can have up to four of them, which means that you can have, for some guns, you can have up to eight attachments on one gun. And what wild cards do is let you ignore the structure uh, that they're trying to make you follow, which is like you can only have one secondary weapon. You can only have one primary weapon. Wild cards let you have as much of whatever they are assigned to as you want. Um, and those are coming back, which should give you more flexibility in how you build your character or your loadout. Um, I mentioned Warzone earlier. Uh, a lot of stuff is coming. First of all, Warzone is just carrying on. They're not launching a brand new Battle Royale game for Cold War. Um, the same mode that has been there for Modern Warfare is going to continue for Cold War, except the Cold War stuff is going to start getting shoved into Warzone. So those choppers, guns, weapons, and things like that that were made before the 90s, those will be included now in Warzone, and they'll have, they're going to have special events and separate battle passes. It's pretty insane what they're actually doing uh, with Warzone without having to launch in a completely new game. Um, also, progression will continue. The progression that you had from Modern Warfare and Warzone carries over into Cold War. Um, so everything that you've unlocked already, playing Warzone, is going to be there once Cold War launches. Uh, they're handling it, I think, about as smart as they can, to be honest with you. Um, cross-platform support, cross-generational support, PC versions being handled by Beanox, um, and it's going to have uncapped frame rates, var variable frequency frame rates, latency reduction is a big focus for them. Uh, they're trying to tackle all the stuff the PC players have complained about over the last couple years. Um... Yeah, and then the then I think I mentioned Fire Team already. That's another four-player mode. Um, yeah, they they really piled it on today, man. Usually, like you get like you get this stuff in batches. First, you get like, okay, what's the combat like? It's boots on the ground. This is the weapons. Blah blah blah. Then you get the modes and the maps and like another presentation. They just dumped it all today. Um, and I guess the big question is, does all this stuff make it better? And is that is that Zelda? Is it what? Like the in the B roll, suddenly there was a shot of like a crying girl. 
They couldn't. Like, it looked like Zelda from Breath like of the Wild. I don't know. Maybe a frame. You know what probably happened? <laughs> I'll tell you what happened. A frame from the Hyrule trailer earlier probably got left in the that's timeline. What that is. Yeah. yeah. I guarantee that's what happened. Yeah, there yeah, she is. There it is. New Call of Duty. I, there. That came, yeah, that came around earlier, and I'm like, that's an interesting thing to put in Black Ops. Like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Again, I was in a huge rush today, and well, with this, like, this event didn't happen until 10 a.m. It didn't end until almost 11 a.m. And the show starts at 1 p.m. So you can figure out. I was mm -hmm. insane trying to get all this stuff done, and so there you go. A mistake in the bureau. I'll try to fix that for the archive, but. And again, the I question, think it's funnier if it stays. <laughs> maybe actually, maybe I should just leave it. Uh, so anyway, the question I'm asking myself as a big Call of Duty player and a dedicated Call of Duty player is: Is this more interesting than what came before? Is this more exciting than what came before? I feel like at this point, this franchise every year they're just rearranging chairs. Like they're like, okay, well, last year we <laughs> had kill streaks. Well, it looks rearranging like we deck go. chairs on the HMS Bismarck. Yeah, and it's like, well, this year it looks like we're gonna have to bring back the kill streaks and or the score streaks and get rid of the kill streaks. It's just. It's like Madden. It's like they keep announcing new features that are actually old features, but haven't been around for a couple years. And I feel like Call of Duty is starting to get the same way. Like, I don't know how many more times Mr. Vandahar can explain to me how he's tweaked the pick 10 system. Like, it's like, bro, you've been doing this for 12 years. Like, it doesn't really change fundamentally much. And I guess that's what I'm getting at is what I've seen of this so far. There are no big fundamentals. It's like you like the era of the 80s and you like Call of Duty. Well, then here you go. Um, so am I more excited about this than a West for Modern Warfare? No, I'm really not. I am excited that I'm going to get to play a Treyarch campaign again. Uh, multiplayer, not so much. Also, where the hell is Mark Lamia? Is he dead? He's the head of Treyarch and he's just disappeared for the last like two years like i don't know if he's like i don't want to be on camera anymore i'm going to step aside i don't know if he left i don't know but it's weird that he no longer fronts anything for treyarch um instead this presentation was by like 15 different i'm even exaggerating like 15 different people they had on camera for this thing um which did help break it up a little bit but overall i would say i guess it's what i expected um, but i would also say that i have higher standards for treyarch's call of duty games and what I'm seeing so far of this isn't living up to that, which makes me a little nervous. But mm -hmm. do you have any comments about Cold War Matt, the multiplayer? I know you'll never play it, but nope. I mean, I admit, like when I you know, I did use to play, you know, the old modern warfare and stuff. And sometimes when I watch like footage like this and I see all those medals pop up when they get a kill, like I'm just like, oh, I remember how good that felt. Like, yeah. But I know I'm not going to do ching. it. I'm, you know, <laughs> it's just. It's not my thing. Like I, I don't. I no longer have the reflexes for it. Uh, my, frankly, my uh, my setup has enough lag introduced because of how it's wired into the house. That you have like, no chance. I wouldn't have a shot. <laughs> you would have no chance. No chance whatsoever. Um, how do you feel about them bringing in kind of the battlefield type stuff, where you have like the ships and the boats, and you're traveling from one point to another? I mean, I like that. I've always liked that better than sort of the standard multiplayer deathmatch thing. Like that's why I always preferred Battlefield. 
uh, back in the day. Um, so if they want to move in that direction, I mean, they've had, if they've poked in that direction sometimes and usually it didn't work out too well. So I wonder how this is going to be, you know, Treyarch has attempted that kind of thing before. And like, you know, I remember Call of Duty three tried to do that and the tanks were just sort of God machines through the whole yeah. thing and you couldn't do anything against them. Um, I'm sure they've learned a lot since then. And Warzone, so, or Warzone seems to kind of like have been a nice test bed for some of that. Um, the naval battle thing seems cool to me. Um, as much as I will never know how it plays, uh, <laughs> like it, it, you know, it's at least like a little bit of a mix-up, but it's just not my thing. Yeah, you know, like you want you want my attention. Make a make an air war game. Huh. You know, you know, put, uh, I'll play squadrons because because it's dogfighting. Yep. But uh, you want my you know, much like Infinite Warfare. Like Infinite Warfare, I thought was cool in part because there was flying. Um, yeah. That's that's my thing. Well, I'll just say this. I'm not very excited for this year's Call of Duty, having seen now both the campaign and the multiplayer. Zombies still hanging out there, but I'm not a big zombies guy in the first place. Um, I'm not very excited for this game. I I struggle to find what its USP is. It's mm -hmm. Call of Duty. That's it. So what, um, what would you do if you were given a, like, say they came to you and are like, you do Call of Duty. Like, what would, what would you do? Like, move it back into kind of the near future thing for the wall yep. running and all that? Oh, I would definitely make it near future. So you, the possibilities are more vast. It's like anything you're like, locking yourself into the 80s. That's, that's very hampering when you're trying to create anything by saying this can only be set in the, this 10 years. You only have so much to work with. So I would definitely make it more near future. I would definitely bring back the the more in-depth traversal stuff. Again, I'm a huge tribes guy. So they were heading in the right direction for me. I was like, oh my God, we're going to have a big budget tribes game if I just wait three more years and then nobody bought the game and then they just mm. completely reverted from it. So you know what I want. Will yeah. realistically, will that ever happen? No. Well, I mean, that's kind of how I felt about Infinite Warfare too, where it's just like, oh, if this becomes an ongoing thing every couple of years, I would definitely play this. And if it keeps no. going in this direction, yeah. it's going in, in a direction I can get on board with. And, and then, instead, nope. no, instead they've just <laughs> gone the exact opposite way. They've just taken I more mean, and more away. In my case, it makes more sense because Infinite Warfare did not sell very well. In right. your case, it makes me, I, I mean, I guess they're doing focus testing, but it, I mean, it does surprise me that they're kind of taking away the traversal stuff and sort of, the, I mean, I don't know. I guess there's maybe, just a lot of whiny people who are like, it's I guess unfair. you have Titanfall for that if you want to yeah. do that. But like, like, it's unfair because I suck at it. You know, that, mm. it, that's what happens. You have a lot of people who are used to going into Call of Duty and racking up 30 kills and two losses. And they got infinite warfare and suddenly they were 15 and 15 and they didn't freaking like it. And like it or not, those people, the streamers, as we saw today during their presentation, the influencers, they really listen to those freaking people, man. Like you can see when they advise something, it actually ends up getting changed inside the game. So um, I think they're listening to those folks and those folks just want boots on the ground. I can point and shoot faster than somebody else. So I should win type people. So mm. um, it's just where we're at. And I don't, I don't see Call of Duty going back unless they eight years from now when they're really creatively bankrupt and they're like, what do we do? How do we come up with something new for this? Um, I think it, at some point, Call of Duty is just going to become a platform because they're going to get sick of doing this. They won't get sick of making the money, but they're going to get sick of doing this, creating these games and trying to sell them as something new when they're not. Um, so... I don't know. I'm not very excited for it. Uh, you guys can find out for yourselves though, very soon. There is an open beta on PS4 happening October 8th. Uh, a week later, the open beta happens on Xbox and PC. So everyone's going to have a chance to play this before its release on November 13th. Um, I hope they prove me wrong. I haven't played it. 
So, you know, I'm just full disclosure. I have not had no hands on with this multiplayer at all at this point. I'm just basing it on the information that Treyarch gave us and the limited amount of feedback that I got to see in the 15 minutes before the show started. So uh, I'm going on what's Treyarch's telling us at this point, and I'm not particularly excited with what I'm seeing, again, as someone who doesn't really like zombies. So the good news is we'll all get a chance to try it before we play it. I mean, that's just the good news about everything anymore, is that in general, you can pretty much try almost anything before you buy it now, which is amazing. Probably one of the best things about hard drives being added to consoles, in my opinion, is the availability of betas and demos and the access to those betas and demos for everyone instead of just people like Matt and I. Um, it's a huge boon to the industry. I think that's why, honestly, I think that's why sales in the industry are so great because people are able to sample stuff now before. It's not taken away from sales. I think it's helping the industry and helping sales, helping people discover games that they never would have tried before. So um, this is another case where you better give it a good whirl before you decide to plunk down your cash because, again, there are so many big games coming out right around Cold War. I mean, they might be scared. Let's be honest. For once, Activision might be a little nervous. You got Assassin's Creed and Cyberpunk launching within like five days of your product. I don't know. This might be, maybe this is a year that the boots on the ground sales go down and they come back mm -hmm. around to actually doing traversal again. I Maybe, I don't know. Uh, I'm just saying I'm not particularly impressed or surprised with anything that I learned about uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War today. All right. And with that, it's time to move on to something that both Matt and I have played. And that is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. I will repeat one more time on this show for those who maybe are just watching for the first time or don't know. I was a skater from for like 12 years. Hardcore skate every day, all day, every day for like 12 years. Um, so I have a little bit of a different perspective on skateboarding games than most people. Um, but let's be honest, most of you guys don't skate. So I think Matt's opinion on this game is probably going to be even more important mm. than mine, to be perfectly honest with you. Matt, now that you've spent some time with the full thing and not just the demo, what do you think? Well, to be clear, I didn't play the demo. Okay. Um, so because of issues with Amal, like we'll get into this in the next topic because yeah. I ended up having to spend more time with Kings of Amalur than I predicted. So I only played basically the warehouse oh, okay. on, on this. I basically played what would have been the demo. Right. What um, was the demo? Yeah. To me. And, and uh, mainly what I was after is I played the original Tony Hawk and Tony Hawk 2 uh, to death. Like just endlessly. And the, 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 the most famous story I tell is about when Tony Hawk 1 came out for the PlayStation 1. We, I got it and I went over to my friend Andrew's house, you know. And um, we played at hit. We played all night, like literally all night. We were we were twenty three, and that's just what when we did. Could, then. That's what you do. And um, <laughs> he lived in a. Um, it was like the back, like kind of mother in law house of this woman who was like renting it out to people, like in the back of her property. And the best way to get in was through the back door of the gate, and we'd park in this church parking lot behind that place. And the guy who lived next door to this woman was like the self-appointed guardian of the church parking lot would threaten to tow people and threaten, like called cops on you. And like, it was this constant yeah. war over like, because it's two in the morning. Like no one's going to church. Like no one, you know, it's, it's a Thursday. No one needs that needs the church parking lot. Everyone's, you know, so we went around on this all the time. And that night I got it and we, and we went and we played until the middle of the night, all night, uh, went out at like six in the morning to go home and my car was gone. 
because dipshit had finally had them tow my car. <laughs> and so the place that they towed it to, also he specifically had them tow it to the fucking ghetto. Like, so it's like <laughs> you're trying to scare me, but like he didn't know. Like to I'm my neighborhood. <laughs> um, so like the place didn't open till eight. So we just went back to it into his house and played Tony Hawk for another two hours. So that because that yeah. is how powerful. Tony Hawk is. And then I, we got, I got my car back and I was awake at that point because I was so mad at that dude. So we went back to his house and played more Tony Hawk. Like that is the level of Tony Hawk obsession that was in play. And I don't care about skateboarding. I have never been yeah. able to ride a skateboard. I am not part of skater culture. I don't give a shit about any of that. Tony Hawk is just a fun ass game. And what about um, now? And my big thing is I did play the HD remake or whatever from a couple of years ago. Oh, I was very disappointed. So you tainted by that. yourself with that first. I was, yeah, I was very disappointed by that. So my main thing was I need to pick this thing up and does it feel right? And yes, it feels like like after a few minutes, like it like I I got my I got my hands back. I got yeah. I, I got How long my did it hand, take you for the speed to come back? Like five, ten minutes. Yeah. Like, like, it took like a, my first run, I was like, my, yeah, I was like, my brain can't even work that fast. Like and the then, like, second run, I was like, oh, okay. And then like by, the, by to like, get it. Yeah. third or fourth run, I'm like, oh, that's, I, now I remember how fast you have to hit the the flip tricks to get to the next grind and do the Wait. special grind so you can speed up on the rail. And well, all here's, the funny, here's a funny story. So I was playing it. I get up way earlier than my wife on the weekend. She sleeps in until like 11 or whatever. I get up at like 7 or 8. So I got up and I was like, okay, I need to get through like a bunch of Tony Hawk today. And I started playing at like 8, 8.15 or whatever. At like 10.30 or 11, my wife comes walking out of the bedroom and she's like, what is going on out here? And I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? She's like, all I've heard for the last two hours is <laughs> like she could tell that I was playing something unlike anything I had played for a long time. And I was playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. It's been a long time since my thumbs have been sore playing a video game. I'll be honest. And this game made my thumbs sore. Um, yeah, there, is, there is an input speed requirement on this that just <laughs> you're not used to anymore. But it feels like the old, the old game. It does. Um, yeah, they nail it. Like the There are so, some weird anomalies. So I've come across some things where the game thinks you're bailing a trick. In fact, there's some of it in the B-roll here. Um, the game, and if you want to try to look for it, it's a shot where I'm inside a warehouse and I crash through a glass window and then start grinding. But you can see there, when I go to crash through the window, my the game thinks I'm bailing and it starts doing the rolling bail animation and then I just pop up into the grind and just keep on grinding. So okay. there are there are little quirks. If pe for people who have played a ton of this and kind of dove into the code and the timing of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, there are some anomalies, but for the vast majority of people, 99% of people who are going to play this, it feels exactly like the classic games. Like, they have managed to nail it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, I basically played some of the warehouse stuff and felt, once I felt kind of like, okay, this is what I was hoping it would be, I went back to dealing with Amalur. Okay. Uh, and we will, and we will tell that story in the next segment. Okay. Um, I didn't get to, so I didn't get to play as much of this as I would have liked because once I kind of clicked with it and was like, okay, yes, this is what I, I was expecting it to be. I would have liked to have spent more time with it, but basically all I was able to do was confirm that I had made a wise decision in purchasing it. <laughs> yeah, and I know I'm going to like it. I, once it felt good, I'm, I, I know I will, I will continue playing this because it's, I, maybe I won't play it forever, but like. What I wanted was sort of that, that that nostalgic controller trip of playing this thing that like 
my hands used to do automatically. Sort of like playing old Street Fighter games. Yeah, it know? takes a while. And the muscle memory did start coming back for me. Mm-hmm. It was pretty crazy. Like it, after like my third, fourth, fifth, like it start, and then like it just clicked, and that it was there. It was really weird how your body can remember stuff from like 15 years ago and just immediately do it, start doing it again. I mean, I bought it for PlayStation 4 also specifically because like I need a PlayStation controller in my hand for this yep. thing. So. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense. Um, and this is also a game that I play with a D-pad. Like I don't play yeah. with the analog stick and yeah. there aren't a lot of games that I play with the D-pad anymore. Again, I ended up with sore thumbs. Um, I, I did end up playing a lot of it. Uh, and it was... It was weird, I guess is the best way to put it, because one moment I'd be like, how do I not remember how to do this? Like, where is the secret tape on a certain stage or whatever? Like, I, I realized that I had learned all this stuff at some point in my life, and I have since forgotten a lot of it. But then there was other parts of playing it that were just a little bit too familiar for my taste. So the games on the disc or in the download, whatever, are discrete. So you choose whether you want to play Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 or Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. However, if you're playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and you're making progress, it actually unlocks stuff still in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. So I hadn't even touched 2 yet, and I'm playing through 1, and the first level in 2 was opened up, even though I hadn't touched it yet. So it the, the two games speak to each other, but they're not tied together. So you're... you're it still has the vast majority of its missions are these silly find five or grind or wall ride five school bells, uh, collect skate, mm-hmm. collect all the videotapes, collect the secret tape. And after I started playing this game for a while, I started one, I started remembering what Matt and I had, had spoken about before about how this game is a 3D platformer and not really like a sports game. And two, that the controls for this 3D platformer are abysmal. because a lot of this game is you need to collect this thing trying to just collect one thing in this game can become hilarious at times where you're just like skating in circles around the object you skate away you try to line up and then you skate right towards it and at the end you just it's infuriating at times because you do have to be precise in some that's what we used to play that with you know like we're like okay now we're gonna get all the letters and like you do it and you'd fail and you hand the controller to the next person and they try to get all the letters and basically it would round robin until someone pulled it off. Right. Because you have to figure out where they are and you have to figure out the line that lets you get them all before the timer runs out. And it's like that for all of this stuff, pretty much. Those Um, bells, I specifically remember like having to learn how to wall ride effectively. Yeah. And then the bells are really hard to find because they're not clearly marked. It, It ultimately ends up, the vast majority of the game is this kind of stuff. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily getting better at the game. There was a lot more Banjo-Kazooie influence on this than you might think. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> there really is. Even now, like the way they've combined the two games together where you're getting a jiggy in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 that's unlocking a new mm-hmm. area in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Finally, stop and swap with yeah. Tony Hawk. But I'll be honest, I would have preferred if they had rebuilt the games into one game. Oh, there, we just saw that. That was interesting. Yeah. I would prefer if they had just, this is online that we're seeing right now, by the way. This is the Mm. online mode. I would prefer if they had just taken all the stages from both games and just rebuilt them into one product. That would be Mm -hmm. called Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2. Like they did on, uh, on the original Xbox. Yeah. And instead, it is two separate games that kind of speak to each other. Now, you know, that's two huge... 
not huge. I finished the first Tony Hawk's Pro Skater this time around in like three hours, I think. Mm. This, um, this looks a little wacky, what I'm seeing here. Well, this is a multiplayer mode, so I guess I'll talk about it now since we're showing it. Uh, multiplayer modes are basically, they throw you into a stage with a lot of people. It's not like one or two. There's like a dozen people skating each one. And then the objectives are either complete the, the biggest combo before the timer expires, get the biggest combo score, or just get like the highest overall score. And y'all just skate in the same area until the timer runs out, and then the winner is crowned at the end. Um, the thing I liked about it is that there are new areas to skate for the multiplayer that aren't a part of sort of the campaign. And I liked kind of the freeform part of it. Like it wasn't like I do a trick. Now you try to top it or I do this trick. Now you need to duplicate it. Like playing skate and things like that is mm -hmm. just go out, shred as hard as you can and let the chips fall where they may. And I kind of liked that. Yeah, Cause that was the main thing. I think we played, you know, obviously there's no online, but we played, uh, you know, horse. Yep. Where you you know we have you've been basically besting each other's trick on the same line or whatever. Yeah, this this to me is better. I mean, just let it looks better. Go in, and, go in and skate an area, uh, show what they've got, and then see where their score lines up at the end. Um, and it's pretty awesome. Like I found myself actually sometimes just following some players around. Like after you play around and you see, oh my Ooh, god, there it was. Yeah. <laughs> that was what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like if you play around and you see somebody scored a six hundred thousand point combo. Well, you look at that guy's name, and next time I followed him around to watch yeah. him play, like because he was that good. So I kind of like how the multiplayer works. The content, you know, even though it is two games jammed together, you can easily get through both games in a day. Um, like most of the objectives, like we were talking about earlier, it's like collect skate. It's, it doesn't take skill to do it, it's more about finding where the objects are in the level and then plotting a line that will let you collect them all before you run out of time. Um, that was annoying to me, the time limit. Uh, it started to wear on me after a while. Like you, you can see why skateboarding games moved on from this. But then you can also see why they've come back because they became so bloated with, again, kind of like Avengers, with stuff that you just didn't need and didn't make the game better. Um, so, you know, I'm, not, I'm definitely not in the camp of they should go back to this style of game for a new Tony Hawk game. I I got my nostalgia kick out of this and I'm good. Um, but at the same time, if they're going to continue down the path, the old Tony Hawk games were, you're just kind of repeating the whole pattern all over again. So I don't know what the smart move is to go forward for skateboarding games. It's not my job to know that. Um, but I do know as a former skater and still kind of a skater, I would say, um, this is not the way forward. It was nice for one day to kind of go back in time. And, and it was like a nostalgia trip. Like Matt was saying, like, this franchise brings so many memories back. Like mm -hmm. I remember going down to my neighbor's apartment downstairs with it um, and playing and showing it to him for the first time. And he was also a skater uh, and us just freaking out for like three days straight about how awesome it was. All that stuff started coming back while I was playing it. And in that way, at least to me, it would have almost been worth the money spent on buying the game at full price, to be honest with you. Because what are you going to get in life that's going to make you feel like that? Not a lot. Um, if you're just like someone who's, say you're like 20 or whatever, and you were like six when Tony Hawk came out the first time, this, I think, might be a better purchase for you. 
because you haven't already and i mean let's be honest i have squeezed these games dry i I should note that if you're 20 you were not alive when this came out right yeah so i could (laughs) look if if you're if you're around that age and you played like the tony hawk games when they became bloated and were turned off the skateboarding games then i do think you should give this game a go i think you will be pleasantly surprised by how fun a game this old can still be but if you're like me and you've been a part of the run you were there when it first launched you played Town and Country on the NES, and even playing mm. all these crappy skateboarding games all and these years. 720. Yeah. And then you got to Tony Hawk, and that was a revelation, and then you burned out on it. If you're like me, it's hard to go back and play a game like this, I think. Um, but again, there's a lot of but people it, out But there. at the same time, it does give you some like nice, you know, if you want to remember 1999 for a minute or two. Way more like, vividly than you yeah. think that you, you can <laughs> yeah. still remember it, I would add. Yeah. It will do it. It is literally like a little time machine that will take you back and will remind you of who you were friends with when the game came out, what you were doing when the game came out, what you were into, what kind of music you liked. And again, for some of that, that's worth that's value. That's worth yeah. some money. I mean, it really is. So even if it's just to say, like, hey, I remember all this and I am not that person anymore. Yeah, and exactly. And that's how far I've come. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it is kind of one of those like touchstone things that it's like a, it marks a moment in time in your life, and this yeah. game will take you right back to it. The other thing I would say is the improved graphics. I forgot about them after like an hour. Like it really didn't matter because they're not that great in the first place. Like because they are built on the core of the PS1 game. Mm. Like, there's just a lot of... And they're still just sort of representative. It's like, it's like it's almost like what Miyamoto used to say about, like, it, it, it could be rectangles on squares and it would still be fun to play. That's how they design Mario games. Yeah. Like, they control a cube first before they even put the character model in the game. And they're like, if the cube isn't fun, Mario's not going to be fun. And this game definitely has kind of that aesthetic to it. Um, but it's low on the frills and things like that. So um, I think most people know what they're getting at this point. As you're seeing right now in the B-roll, there are just tons of skaters, tons of boards, tons of wheels. There's so much stuff to unlock that, again, I don't care about. Like, I I found my Santa Cruz skateboard, and I was good. Like, I didn't need to change it after that. Yeah, Um, I got to get my Bones Brigade skull i got my bones brigade shirt all right and i was like i don't need all this and there's just pages and pages and pages of it um so if you want to keep unlocking stuff it doesn't really affect like how Mm. the game controls or works uh you're always making money and 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 you're earning experience points and you can use those to upgrade your skater um you can start with Tony Hawk, who's pretty beefy from the beginning and kind of start shaping him or you can start with a character that you create uh, who I would say the the stats are much lower and you have to work a lot harder to build them up. Uh, again, it's Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. It's just like yeah. it always was. And uh, it is true to the roots of the franchise. And if that's what you're looking for, mm-hmm. buy it without hesitation. Absolutely. And remember, those who search for Animal Chin have already found him. <laughs> that's true. I'm surprised you know that line, Matt. Did you watch Animal Chin? Uh, yeah, I've seen all the Bones Brigade movies. Oh, you have? Awesome. Yeah. 
I'm, I, it's interesting that you call them movies. <laughs> we call them skate videos. That's what um, I, th I mean. Bones Brigade 3, was like a the movie. search for Animal Chin, is pretty much a feature. I mean, yeah. it's as much a film, much a feature, like a feature film as like a porn with yeah, a story, yeah, right? Yeah, it's about you the know, production like, values, yeah. <laughs> but at the end of it, I, I liked several of the character i mean they were just skaters doing their yeah. thing but like it worked you know like i yeah. i, I, I oh, got that was like, a revelation dude i got like some kind of taste I, I, was, I saw that when i was 10 1986 yeah. and i got some kind of taste of like oh that's why people are into that called that subculture or whatever and yeah. it made sense to me and i'm oh, like that's not Chin me but like i got it earth shattering like there had never been anything like skate videos were just people skating before that yeah. there had never been even an attempt at a plot and they they haven't really done one since, to be honest, but <laughs> it was a moment in time that I'll always remember. So anyway, there you go. That's Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2. Um, I do not recommend it for people like me um, unless you really place a lot of value in nostalgia. Uh, but if you're a younger player, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at how fun uh, a game this old can still be. All right, it's time to move on to the last topic. Well, penultimate topic anyway. Um, Matt... Jumped on a grenade this week and decided to play Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning, which is a remaster of Kurt Schilling's action RPG uh, from 38 Studios that ended up bankrupting his studio and Rhode Island. So sure. <laughs> um, it's, it's shocking to me that this game has been remade. It actually was a pretty solid game when it came out way back when. Mm. Um, Matt, now that you've got a chance to play the remake, or not a remake, remaster, how do you feel about it? So I'm I'm kind of mixed on Amalur in general because like I always thought it was like a, a pleasant enough little action RPG, but it gets old real fast. Uh, wait, wait, before we move on, someone's asking, is Spider-Man a hidden character? He's not hidden. He's actually a part of the roster. Like <laughs> I had to get that in there before we move on. Sorry. Fitting. All it's missing now is a solid snake. Yep. But uh it's always been kind of like a pleasant enough game, but I never finished it because I got bored too too fast. You know, and I'm not saying I didn't play it. I played like 60 hours, and I was still in like the air, the third area, and I was so overpowered that it was just like wading through like you know enemies that couldn't hurt me basically. And I got bored, and I didn't care about the story or anything, and that was it. Um, but I do enjoy the combat in the game. The combat was made by a couple of Tekken veterans that they basically headhunted to make this thing. And Which that is, is why it's, it's, <laughs> it's so... It's a uh, fighting game, guys, to, for an action RPG. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's just not something that's done much. Um, and it works. Like, it, you know, the, the, the combat's good. It just isn't enough to drag you through a 70-hour game, right? Is that how um, long this game is, ultimately? Actually, it's, it's more than that. It's, really? It's, 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 it's probably closer to 100 if you do everything. Wow, um, it's really long, and there's no justification for why it goes. And it's just like it's. Someone described it uh, in one of the reviews this week as it's like playing an MMO with all the multiplayer stuff stripped out of it and a good action combat system shoved in. And that's very accurate. You're you're running through these big open areas that are big and open for no reason other than the fact that they'd probably be big and open in that scenario. But or like, if they there's no content. It there's nothing in it. Yeah, there's nothing. Like you get to little like civilization hubs. You talk to everybody with an exclamation mark over their head. They give you a bunch of stupid quests to go do that you don't care about. You follow it to the objective marker, kill the thing, grab the thing, do the thing, go back to the thing, get the thing, level up, you're done. Like it's a, and just do that a thousand times. Like just over and over. Look, I played this game for almost eighty hours back when it came out, and I couldn't. I couldn't tell you what it was about. Can like, you now? Was, yeah, more or less. I mean, I remember the the backstory. <laughs> what is it about? So. 
you at the at the very beginning you are a dead person on a on a cart in a in a in a like a morgue thing and these these gnomes basically dump you in in like a incinerator thing and you fall down into a into a pile of bodies and you wake up and you have to kind of fight your way out of the 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 body garbage heap, I guess. And then you run into the, the people that are running this thing and they're like, oh my God, you're not dead. What the hell? And it turns out that where you are is in this thing called the Well of Souls, which is this thing that was designed by this brilliant gnome scientist to resurrect people. And uh, what's basically going on is there's a war between the humans and the elves who are called the Fae in this. There's a, there's a faction of elves who have gone basically like belligerent and are, are, are fighting a huge war. And the trick here is that in this world, uh, elves are essentially immortal. You can kill them, but they will just resurrect somewhere else. And so they have like, to go to the back. Well of Souls for that? No, the Well of Souls is being built as a way to resurrect mortals. Okay. So ahead. to kind of even the score, right? Right. Uh, and the, the, but you're the only one it's ever worked on. So the, so the guy helps you escape, and then you run into this guy who's, who's what's called a fate weaver, which is someone who can see the threads of fate. And he looks at you and realizes that you are not part of fate, essentially. Uh, everything in this world is bound to fate, and to the point that the elves, who are the fae, who are basically immortal, and they live forever, but they repeat the same stories over and over again. Like, the fairy tales of this world continually come true because the people who were part of those fairy tales are still alive. Okay. Because like, they're immortal. You know, they, they, you know, it would be like if King Arthur was still around and he kept forming the Knights of the Round Table, right? Uh, and people kept going off on quests for things. Um, but you are not bound to that. Like your character is the only person in the entire world who can defy fate and change fate, which makes you very, very unique and very, very dangerous. And mm -hmm. so your your ultimate goal is effectively to kind of burn through reality and sort of like change the world in a way that no one thought the world could be changed. Um, I don't know how that turns out because I've never gotten there, but that is the premise. <laughs> and the way that works out in terms of like, that's kind of also the excuse for how the character classes work and how the big super move works. So you can use these fate cards or basically your templates. So you've got three types, three skill trees, essentially there's might finesse and sorcery. So fighter, thief, and rogue, whatever you want to call it, and wizard. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can put points as you level up into any of them, as much as you want, whatever you want. And as you put points into each tree, you unlock new skills as you, you know, as, as usual. You, you, know, you get five, you know, six points or whatever, five points in the, in the might, and now you can get the next level of skills. Cool. Put 34 points into might, and you get the next level of skills, that kind of thing. And as you put more points into those trees you can then access what are called fate cards, which are essentially classes, essentially class archetypes. And so you've got pure might, pure You have finesse. to get to that point before you can choose class, basically. No, the classes you can always choose between. Okay. Basically, you, you, have, you have vendors you can go to, you can always change your class, and then every time you level up, you can shift your, your fate card. Okay. So you, you have tons and tons of opportunities to do that. In the beginning, you just have basically might, finesse, and sorcery. So just straight classes there. As you level up, each one, like say you get to might level, I don't remember what the number is, but it's like 10 or 11 or whatever, that many points in might. Now you can be a, a brawler and now you can uh, be okay. a fighter. So it like goes up and up. And each, and each card gave, so basically like if you pick the, the melee one, basically gives you like a bonus to damage and a bonus to blocking. 
right? If you pick the sorcery one, you'd have probably, you have like a, a 25% damage to elemental damage because most sorcery stuff is elemental based and a faster mana regeneration, that kind of thing. And then as you put, if you put points into multiple trees, you can access uh, multi-classes. So like a half, half might, half sorcery and be like a, a, like a battle mage or half, Half sorcerer, half finesse. You can do like a like a like a sneaky wizard with a with a backstabby thing, you know that kind of thing. So you have Sounds a lot like of freedom. very MMO like. Yes, the way yes. the classes are handled, which makes sense because Kurt Schilling was a huge World of Warcraft player. Yes, and in fact, this was based on the world that his MMO was set in. So like this was sort of a side project for the world of Amalur, really which was supposed to, to be do. the MMO. Yeah, the, the MMO took place in the same world basically. Right. Yeah. And um and and so you've got an action RPG sort of set in this world that was more con conceived as an MMO thing, and you can kind of see that. Uh, I'm not saying they reuse the, the the areas or anything, um, but it does feel like an MMO that was redesigned into a single player thing to some degree, at least in concept. Okay. Um, uh, the trick being that, of course, no MMO has ever had, you know, kind of action-based combat this good. Um, so that's sort of the real draw. Uh, the problem with it back in the day was that you effectively you had seven or eight major locate major areas of the world that each were divided up into like, you know, six to ten smaller areas. And by the time you got to area three, you were so overpowered that nothing could basically stand in your way. You were killing things in two, three hits, no matter so what. So it was morally balanced, or was. Yeah, basically, yeah. And you were, like, picking up stuff that just, you, you, everything you picked up was trash. Like, the only way to get any new equipment by, like, you know, 10, 15 hours in the game was to craft it yourself. Um, again, very MMO-ish. Yeah, think about it. for sure. Um, so one of the things they're doing with this remaster is they rebalanced a bunch of stuff. The, re the trick with the remaster is that it very it's it's a remaster and visually it's a remaster in the most basic sense. Like they made the lighting a little better, like the self shadowing and, and contrast is a little better, but otherwise it pretty much looks the same. It still looks um, blurry. Uh, it's not very blurry in in person. Um, I don't, I've been, I, so I've been playing, I'll get to why I played it on two different platforms in a second, but it didn't look that bad. Uh, okay. it, it doesn't look that much better, but it looks fine. Okay. Uh, and the, and the art style from the old day, the, the art style is like a little cartoony and kind of like world of Warcrafty, like you said. Uh, and it kind of holds up for the most part. Like, I don't, I don't think it looks bad to look at. It's stylized. Um, that always yeah. holds up. Yeah. So when you it, try to make something okay. look as realistic as possible, that's when they don't. So that's need all much. there. So, but yeah. and, but then there's so they added a bunch of stuff. So there is the the remaster adds a very hard mode. Uh, previously, there was only uh, easy, normal, and hard, and even hard was ridiculously easy. Um, so they added a very hard mode. Uh, they've rebalanced all the loot tables, so you get loot that levels up to your level more frequently, and uh, even stuff that is beyond your level so you have to work towards it like you get you get way better stuff more regularly basically mm -hmm. um they uh and that kind of thing they've added they've rebalanced all the experience and how you level up and how the enemies are leveled up in the zone levels and everything like that so it doesn't become a cakewalk you know early in the game um and all that so those are all really cool that's all really good stuff uh the problem is that i or i bought it on the xbox and one of the things the Xbox had is we pre-ordered the Fate Edition, which added, uh, it's kind of a season pass thing, because um, they are doing an expansion, a new expansion. Are you uh, freaking next kidding year. me? This THQ Nordic, THQ Nordic doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> like, this is, this is the same company that bought Titan Quest and then put two new expansions out for it. I know, what? it's crazy. What? Where is um, the money coming from? A crazy rich guy in Sweden, I mean, what I understand. 
Dang. Um, so I don't know. Apparently he just loves this stuff. So here we are. Yeah. Um, the uh, so here's so that's like what you know. No one ever thought this IP would ever be resurrected, but he got it. Let for alone like two, another. Expensive. Got it for like five bucks and a couple of popsicle sticks. So why the fuck not, right? Yeah. So here's the problems though, because if you ordered that edition, you got like a day early access. You basically got day zero access, right? You got a day mm -hmm. early Monday. So. The problem is there's a day one patch for the Xbox, for all of them, but also for the uh -huh. Xbox, and all the remaster content is in it. <laughs> so, the, so the graphics are fit. You know, the, the up-res the up graphic and the, the lighting changes are here, right? Are you kidding me? All, the very hard mode, the changed loot tables, <laughs> the, the changed experience stuff, all that's in the day one what? patch. What? But, but wait, my story gets better. The day one patch was delayed on Xbox because of, apparently they claimed because of Microsoft's certification process being delayed over Labor Day weekend. It went live on. Or PS4. you could have just put it through certification the week before. They put it up. They said they put it up <laughs> two weeks, two weeks early. Microsoft is slow on this stuff. Yeah, I'm, I've I'm actually that. willing yeah. to, to take their their. Yeah, word yeah, I've heard. I, it's not the first time I've heard it. Because so. let's for, let's not forget they put the patches up for certification from Sony at the same time, and Sony the PS4 patch went live day one, no problem. Yeah, and the, and the, the patch went live on Steam, no problem because Steam doesn't care. I mean, I've, um, look, I've heard this from many people before. Right. So. so the day one patch does, yeah, is, has to go up for that. Okay, fine. Everyone's like, wait, it goes up at like noon Eastern. Everyone's waiting, waiting, nothing, nothing, nothing. Finally, the developer pops up in the Discord and goes, yeah, it's going to be tomorrow. Oh, the day one gosh. patch is going to be on day two. Oh, my also, gosh. Also, it changes things so much. We don't know what kind of bugs you might run into later, so you should start your saves over. When so be basically happens. saying, like, just start the game over. So basically, well. you paid extra to play it early, <laughs> but everything you played early doesn't count. Also, achievements don't unlock it yet. What? So They're retroactively. And, and, and they won't. They probably won't unlock retro. Yeah, they probably won't. <laughs> well, no, because I'm not done yet. This morning I got up. So that, so that last night I'm like, okay, so I haven't played the remastered content of this, right? So I should do yeah. that before I talk about it on the show. So I went on Steam and I got the remastered version on Steam for 17 bucks or something because I already had the old one. So I got oh a discount God. on it. So I'm like, I'm going to play this. And so, you know, play a new save from this. And so I know what I'm doing. So I, so I played some of that for a few hours. That's why I didn't play so much Tony Hawk because I had to play Kingdom Zombler twice. This is right. what I do for this fucking show and like <laughs> thanks matt <laughs> and so it, it works out a lot better there is a there is a sprint bug in my xbox version where you hold the button to sprint and you push forward and they run right if i angle even the slightest bit to the left the character stops sprinting and goes back to jogging <laughs> doesn't do it if i do it to the right doesn't do it if i do it full left or right like but only if i angle it to the left it stops sprinting so, so what do you do do you aim a little left when you start running that I, way you can... I switched it I, so what i did is i switched it to tap to run so i don't have to hold the button right right and then i angle use the right stick to angle the camera so i never turn left oh i just angle God. the camera because it's Are all you relevant kidding to the me? camera oh there's a ton of new <laughs> that's, oh, that's pretty also, smart the remaster adds a bunch of camera <laughs> options because there were no camera options before and uh -huh. a bunch of HUD, and HUD scaling. That's also not, that's in the day one patch. You don't get that otherwise. So the wow. camera, you can mess with the camera way more. So on the PC version, I got to, you know, the, the new loot tables work pretty well so far. Like I am still getting useful items constantly. Um, I, uh, you know, everyone is not a pushover yet. I'm not far enough in that that would be a problem yet, but like I'm, I'm on hard mode and I'm clearly seeing that the challenge is more there than it was. And because I've started that game a few times in the past, so it's still there. Um, like the remaster stuff is in play and it, it's noticeably different to someone, to me as someone who had just played six hours of a non re, the, the non updated version by accident on Xbox two days ago. So like, yeah, so that's there. It works pretty well. 
Um, and then my plan was this morning, I'll get up and when the, put the day one patch on the Xbox version, play a little bit of that and see that compares to the, to the patched version of the PC. And that's a good comparison. Da, da, da. And I wake yeah. up and I, lo I load up the Xbox and there's no update for it. So I look it up and now there is no estimated date for the day one patch on Xbox. Oh they don't gosh. know. They just don't know. So, so translation, stay away from the Xbox version. Stay away from the Xbox version. This seems to be the, the, I mean, it's too bad because the one on the X, if you have the Xbox One X, it runs at 4K60. Right. Like it's a solid, it's a solid, and it does run pretty well. Like I've been playing, you know, what I played before the patch run pretty well. Uh, but obviously the PC version does that too. So it gives a shit. The um, bigger question though is, should people stay away from this game period in 2020? I mean, are you enjoying playing it? I enjoy playing this game until I don't. Is kind okay. of the way I'd say it. Like it's fun to play the combat until I realize you're just doing the same thing over and over again. The dungeons have like five different ideas to them, and they don't really do anything different the whole game. And you're going to do like a hundred of them, so you better be ready. Yeah. Um, my thing, and you know, and my thing on it is basically, basically, this game costs too much. Like this thing's forty bucks. Oh, there's no way it's That's worth way too forty much. bucks. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess in terms of time played, but in terms of like entertainment entertainment yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> it's like like this is a you can solid, do anything to waste time like this is a rock solid 20 dollar purchase yeah but 40 nah -uh. yeah, and if you're an xbox person and you order this thing and you oh like ouch you be asking for your money back like yeah, they might give it to you <laughs> i would i it, mean this is a monumental screw up i've never heard anything this bad on xbox live this it is it is nasty, and I don't. I mean, I pretty much do believe them that like the Xbox that Microsoft's Screwed certification process process is like the key problem here. Um, but like, how could they the not hell? have a date even then? Though I don't, I don't know. know, and it's, it's not bizarre. like they didn't know. I mean, it's, it, they right. got it out for the other two platforms. So what's yeah. the deal? Something. But so, regardless, you're saying don't buy it anyway because it's forty freaking dollars. No, I mean, I, I would say if you have the old one on PC and you liked it. Uh, you can they gave you like a sixty percent discount on the new one, and that's about the right price. Yeah. Um, so if you're into there it, you and, but also like you said about um, about Avengers, we're about to roll into a really packed release schedule. Do you need an eighty hour mid range RPG right now? Not really. Not when like, you're gonna buy another one in like a month when Assassin's exactly. Creed comes out. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. yeah. So I, I'm. It, it's something that's sort of like you know. And there are people that just love this game. Like I've seen you know. There's there's this game has some fans. really big fans. Yeah. I have seen no less than six people on Twitter and Reddit call this game. I am not kidding. A masterpiece. <laughs> which wow, you know. Like there's people that say <laughs> that know? about there's people that say that about Batman versus Superman too. It takes that all kinds, true. right? It to does, each their own. Yeah. Um, they're wrong, uh, but it is <laughs> but it is kind of fun. And like you know, I the original game I did dip back into periodically over the over the subsequent couple of years. So it's not like I didn't get my money's worth out of it back then. Yeah. Um, it does look better. It does play, but also on the PC, that sprint thing is not a problem. It works just fine. I've traded multiple controllers on my Xbox One. By the way, it is not the controller. It is, it is the game. It's the game. Um, yep. So like, so it work, but and it is better so far playing it because everything feels like it expects you to be the level you are effectively. Right. That makes a saying, big difference. You know? yeah. Like so, I feel like I don't. I you know that was the thing is like the problem when I was I would play the game when I got into like the, the level the twenty level air range, like I would literally fall asleep in dungeons playing <laughs> because it was so non-challenging yeah even on hard yeah so i think they did address that and so far it feels like they have kind of fixed it and i need to stay on my toes during combat a little more so i dig that i'm into it 
Yeah. Um, not $40 worth not of Not $40, dig it. But like for the 17 bucks I paid for the PC version, pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and there isn't, yes, the other thing is like, there isn't really anything like it. You know, like there are other action RPGs. There are other open world action RPG things that like have better stories and better engagement and more interesting sort of lore that, unf- you know, the, the backstory in this game is actually pretty interesting. That whole fate thing and the way like fairy tales play out. It, that's one of the things that comes into play in some of the quests is like, if you, and if you act out the events of a, of like a fairy tale in this world, the world will notice and make that fairy tale happen around you. So like there, if like, so there's like a early on, there's a quest where, <coughs> like this wandering kind of grifter, wants to reenact a fairy tale that involves a treasure because if you reenact it and the, and the fairy tale kicks in, the treasure will exist and you have a shot at getting it, Mm. which is like, that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, for sure. The quest is not a very cool idea. It's just sort of hitting things. (laughs) You you, you collect, you literally collect the heads of four things and go back and go kill a dungeon thing. It's not as interesting in execution as it is in concept, but that's pretty cool. Uh, but there's nothing really in the action RPG world that has combat like this. Like you've yeah. got the, you've got this the, the sword stuff feels really good. Um, it has the the sh- the chakrams, which is like you know the the ring blade things, and you throw yeah. them out like boomerangs, and like yeah, you, can yeah. do some, you can do some really cool combos with a lot of the stuff in this. And as a fighting game person, that's appealing to me. It just ran out of steam about three lands into seven, you know, and this, <laughs> and, th- and then yeah. this does come with all the DLC. So there's two more continents basically to go to and do a quest there, which I have never actually personally seen. Cause I never got that far in the original game. So maybe I'll get there this time. I don't know. Um, Are you going to keep playing it? I am going to keep playing it until something more interesting comes out, um, which will probably be in like a week or two. Yeah. I'm uh, surprised you would prefer to play Tony Hawk over this. Uh, I'll be honest, like I kind of re- identify pretty strongly with your sort of nostalgia trip thing. Uh, that only that only takes me so far. Uh, yeah, yeah. And this is kind of a little bit of that too, but like I just, the moment to moment hack and slash is more my thing. Okay. Um, at least right now, give me a day and maybe I'll be more into Tony. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what happens from time to time and and well, the good news is we'll talk to you next Wednesday and we'll yeah. find <laughs> The world doesn't mean anything anymore. December is, is tomorrow <laughs> and forever. Yeah. And fear is the mind killer. So uh, don't pay $40 for this game. But maybe 20 is pretty good. Okay. Uh, Tiny2K, thank you for handing out all these subs to our live audience. Again, just another reason to show up uh, to watch the show live on Twitch every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And with that, it's time to get into our last topic of episode 228. It has been a gigantic week for Nintendo, and we're going to talk about everything that has gone down to finish off the show. I hope we can get through it all before we run out of time here, because there is a lot, and I have a feeling a good bit of it is going to engender a lot of discussion between Matt and I. Um, So Nintendo finally celebrated the 35th anniversary of Super Mario Brothers this week. Uh, to me, it came out of nowhere. Um, obviously, uh, we apparently a few months later than they planned. Yeah, talking um, about that website thing. Yeah, exactly. Like to me, it came out of nowhere. I don't know if anyone had an idea that this was happening when it. I did. didn't know it happened until it was over. I didn't either. I saw um, people talking about um, uh, what was it? People were talking about something. Uh, Hyrule, Hyrule Warriors, and I was like, what? Like, and and like. It just oh that no that was a separate tweet wasn't it that, that was a, just yeah. like popped up in a tweet Nintendo's just dropping stuff with no Hyrule like, Warriors it. was announced all on its own yeah they did they did that <laughs> with uh, Paper Mario too it's like oh here it is here's a tweet yeah. about this thing you've never heard of uh, and it's coming out in like a month and a half 
Yeah, like, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. First, we're going to talk about the 35th mm -hmm. anniversary celebration that Nintendo had, which ended up just being basically a Nintendo Direct. Um, I didn't know that happened either until it yeah, was already over. Depending on your disposition or what you really like or don't like, I'm going to try to talk about these, I think, in order of interest, although some of you may think I'm crazy. Uh, the Probably because the first one I'm going to talk about is Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. Uh, look, I, like all of you, I have been ready for Mario Kart 9 for, it feels like, three years now. And they just keep re-releasing -re Mario Kart 8, and I'm sick of it, and I don't play it anymore, and I want a new Mario Kart. And I hear you when you're like, instead we get this, but this is pretty freaking cool. Like... I don't. I understand why some people are hating on it because they think, "Oh, this is going to keep me from getting a real Mario Kart." One, I don't believe that at all. I don't think the team working on this has anything to do with Mario Kart Nine. Um, and second of all, maybe you should just give this a chance because I think it's really, really freaking cool. Um, essentially, it is an augmented reality Mario Kart game where you buy the actual carts that then race around on the floor or on the ground. I don't know how durable these things will be to run them outside if they get dirt in the gears and stuff like that. But, and basically you set up a track. Now, one thing I would say about this that I think maybe people don't get when watching the trailer is that you're basically playing those courses mentally. So you don't see the course on the ground. You have gates that you have to go through but you don't actually see the course that is laid out on the ground of your house it's basically in your imagination because you're just playing on the screen anyway so they project the track onto the screen that you're playing on on the switch but you it's not on the floor so they aren't giving you like these white track outlines that you lay down on the floor to denote the track layout it's basically all in, in your head and the cars race around on the ground um, now, I realize this isn't practical for a lot of people. I live in an apartment. We're lucky, I think, that our living room is big enough that I could probably make it work. But for a lot of people, this is not going to work at all. They live in an apartment, it's not going to work. Or if you just live in a house where you have mom and dad and three kids, chances are, unless you're really rich and live in a mansion, you're not going to have room for this either. Or if so you just I have do, carpet. <laughs> right. So I do, well, I think they're going to work on carpet. I do believe. Somewhat. It's not as well, I think. I mean, they might it, actually it, I mean, this, handle this, better on carpet. It, they don't. Uh, this, this is not new tech at all. This is the, the, a, the AR, like, remember controlled cars? Like, my nephew and my brother-in-law have a bunch of those. Uh, oh. And they, this, this is not some kind of weird new innovation. Like, this is very, so this is tech very box licensed tech. and slapped Mario um, Kart I mean, on. I don't think so. I mean, they probably developed it themselves. Like, all you need is the camera. I mean, it's, I don't think any of it's proprietary. Like, yeah. But uh, it, it's just like, it's it's a kind of a no-brainer to apply it to Mario Kart, I guess. Yeah. I mean, look, my initial reaction and continued reaction to this is make Mario Kart 9, you unbelievable assholes. But Which like, is what I said from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, it's like, th this is, like, it's a cool demo. I'm sure it's fun once but this is the definition 
of like a Christmas gift you use once, put away, and never take out of the closet again. Like it's just a or waste of time. You buy it for your kids, they play with it once, and then you hide it. And then you hide it so you <laughs> never have to deal with it, with it again. Yes, that is also true. I think the kids will want to keep playing with it though. Maybe I mean, depends, this up, man. It depends how well it works and how much setup it takes versus because you know, here's what's cool about versus it versus how there's, long you want to play the same track. Yeah, I mean, there's something happening. For the people who aren't playing, that's the thing. So while the sister is playing on the Switch, the brother is watching this car rip around the living room. Um, I think kids will love it, honestly, up to a certain age anyway. I think so, but for the same price as what this costs, you can get a much higher quality car that does the same thing. I see somebody um, asking, how do you draw the course? See, that's what people are missing about this. You, they, you don't. Well, you do. You don't even look at the course while you're playing it. You look at the screen. Right. The, the, the car. It's, it's the gates. Like the basically gate, the, the gates are what define gates. it. And right. you basically, like the way you're, you're showing that there, what you're basically doing is you have, you, I'm sure there's a thing where you basically have to tell the switch, you know, this is the dimensions of the space this is in. Right. This is where each gate is. And then I bet you can draw whatever you want the track to be between each gate. Yep. And then it'll just it'll just cr make that the track on the screen. On the and then screen, you just steer, right. the, you know, steering through the, you know, steering along the track on the screen will automatically make the cart in real life drive that direction. Right. So yeah. you basically, you're, like, you're you know, not going to see the course layout on the ground. Yeah, the only course layout on the actual physical ground are those gates, those gates. And then yeah, that's the everything else. Like you'll see the cars following the course yeah. as you steer it in the game, but you, there's not going to be the lines yeah. on the ground for the car. And the gates, follow. I don't think the gates are like electronic or anything. They're, just markers they're just markers that tell you the camera the the image on the gate yeah the, the camera, the camera yeah the camera knows where it is yeah. yeah yep and that's it um i think it looks fun if i had kids i would absolutely buy this for them <laughs> and i would say it's for them but it would really be for me at least for the first couple hours until i got bored with it but well i'm i'm probably not in on this one but if you do get it uh please not only play it but videotape your wife reacting to you playing it <laughs> uh, be, i just i just want to see that you're doing what to the living room sort of thing like <laughs> the other thing about it too is that it's a basically a hundred dollars per cart that's how mm -hmm. you pay for it um you buy it and you get either mario or luigi and gates and if you want to race i don't even know if there is multiplayer racing it doesn't seem like it from what we've seen so uh, far. there's a there, well there's shots in this where there's two carts on the track so yeah. I think I think maybe, but I, I think you'd need two switches for it. Probably, yeah. Um, Mike, I imagine paying a hundred dollars for Luigi. Um, <laughs> I'm, I wonder if the uh, if if you get two, can you double the gates on the course? That would um, be one of my questions. Interesting. Or are they, or are they just all numbered one through five? Because you're going to have the, the gates thing. from buying two of them. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if you can make the course bigger. That's that's exactly what I'm wondering. Yeah, I mean, you could do some cool stuff with this, where you go to, but you have to be able to hook up your switch and everything still. So there are caveats. And that could it's also like, be a big viral thing. Yeah, like if you know someone that gets enough enough of them and like makes sets a up this track that, you know, that's like track two that miles whole house kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you could do cool stuff with it. When I was a kid, my dad had built a slot car track in our house and and through the walls of the house and blah blah blah. Hmm. He was huge, like the big slot cars, the ones that are like this mm -hmm. big. Um, and he built a track that literally he, he cut a hole through the wall and the track went through the wall. I was like three. Mm. I never even got to play with it. But I've seen all the pictures and stuff of it. And my mom has told me about it. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if people do crazy stuff like that with this tech. 
Um, but it is cost prohibitive and targeted squarely at kids. And yes, I would much rather get Mario Kart 9. Yeah, and you can also get like, I mean, if you think that tech is cool, they, there are tons of cars that do that. Like they hook up to your tablet or your phone or whatever. And there are flying drones. I have a flying drone that does that. Like you literally can see it on your, your program and you, and you just you control it. And- no, you just fly it. It's like it's it actually comes with a like a, like a VR thing and you put oh, your yeah, phone yeah. in it I and you put that on and you w- did that and you can yeah, see and you just watch through it. the camera yeah. on the it's drone. The same yeah. same tech. Yeah. Well, uh, the AR is the different tech. Well, the AR, it's all AR. Like that you know you can that's a pretty simple fix uh, yeah. for that. It's just you know, but knowing Nintendo it'll probably work well. I just uh Make Mario Kart Nine, you goddamn cowards! Like I don't know, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get it. They keep making money on eight. That's why they won't make nine. Yeah, <clears throat> stop buying it, people. Uh, next up, at least what I thought was the second biggest or coolest thing that Nintendo showed is Super Mario 3D All Stars, which won't come as too big of a surprise to you guys because Matt and I talked about this like a month ago on Game Face and told you it was coming, uh, and it did, it did get announced officially. Uh, the it's a collection of 3D Super Mario platformers. It's a trio of them. Uh, they did a pretty good job picking the games. It's Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy. Two of those games would be probably in my top three platformers of all time. Uh, Super Mario Sunshine, I like more than most, but it's not in my upper echelon of 3D Mario games. But... It is certainly the most unique of all the 3D Mario games, so I can see why they decided to include it. Also, it might be one of the most underplayed because it was a GameCube game, and the GameCube only oversold 20 million units. So there are a lot of people out there who have never played Super Mario Sunshine, so I understand why it was included, but I do not think it is one of the three best 3D Mario games. How do you feel about what they chose for this? I mean, it's kind of inevitable. Um you know, this is the first three 3D Mario games, so yeah. there you go. Um, it's fine. Like, 64 is great. Uh, Galaxy is better, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, I Would I prefer Galaxy 2 over yes. Sunshine? Absolutely. Yeah. But, like, Sunshine, like you said, Sunshine is underplayed. Uh, deservedly so, I think. I don't think Sunshine's a very good game. Um, I would definitely call it the worst mainline Mario game. Um, just because it's not really... Doesn't really deliver That's the an Mario question. Doesn't really deliver the Mario experience to me. Like it's so focused on like the weird flood thing that I don't feel like I'm playing a Mario game. You know, it's very uh, different. <laughs> and every once in a while, every once in a while, you get like the 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 challenge courses where they take the fucking backpack off you and you get yeah, to yeah, and you're like, like and now it's Mario. Like, oh, this, yeah, that's what I'm here for. Cool. Yeah, the red coin collecting, like yeah. that stuff with like without the pack. But yeah. I, I like it. I like Super Mario Sunshine. I, I don't hate it, but, three, it's, but I just don't think it's you know very i will say this i i think mario's sunshine is like i like the atmosphere the most of maybe any mario game just because they really nail that sort of tropical sunshine place yeah it's the only mario game with a consistent theme and like, like you can mario games it's like now we're in the cold world now we're in the desert world mm-hmm. now we're and like you can smell the beach yeah in that, dude. In that they, game. they really like know it's right down to the music yeah. and everything and i didn't like i think the npcs are like one of the ugliest things i've ever seen <laughs> the delfino but, guy, yeah. but they fit they fit yeah, in the world. Work. It makes sense somehow. So it has its charms, I guess is what I would say about Sunshine. Also has that weird implication that Bowser Jr. might be Peach's kid. Which right. Asks That's right. a whole I different forgot. set of questions <laughs> that I don't ever need answered, Nintendo. We don't ever need to explore that again. Thank yeah. you. 
Um, yep. But it's a good it's a good collection. It's like you know, look, Yank. That's a that's a that's a solid sixty bucks you just spent. Hell right yeah! Like, and it is, is full price. It is sixty bucks, but there is a caveat. It's only on sale for a limited time. Mm-hmm. Why Take, taking a page out of the Disney Vault there? Why would they do that, Matt? To guarantee the number of sales in a certain amount of time, and it worked, didn't it? It'll work. I wouldn't bought it. But now I found out that it's already so second second biggest seller selling of the year. game of yep. the year. So when I, when I found out about this, Nintendo sends me review code, um, and I know I'll get code for this that I just download and I can play it that way. But I went and bought a physical copy of this mm-hmm. because Nintendo said it's only on sale for a limited time. So I was like, I'm buying a copy of this. I'll never open it. And then someone gave me grief on the site for doing that. Whatever. Um, it's not like there's a limited number of copies. There's also like, it's not like there's a limited number of times the digital download will work. It's like, I'm not depriving anybody of anything. They can still play the game. So anyway, um, as long as they buy it before March, right? I went and bought a physical copy of the game. And then the next day within like 48 hours of it being on sale, it became the second best selling game of 2020. So my dreams of, retiring on a sealed copy of three Super Mario 3D All-Stars were dashed, but I wouldn't just, say that. Yeah. Give it 10 years. Give it 10 yeah, years. We'll see. But anyway, so the Legend of Zelda on the NES just sold out for eleven thousand dollars. It's dude. not like that didn't sell some copies, man. That's true. Like they, That's they, true. the Nintendo stuff becomes you know even Super Mario Sunshine you can get a couple hundred bucks for but it's still sealed. Yeah. That's like, true. It's it's it, it, Mar- the the, the Nintendo physical collection aspect is never going away. Like yeah. that is always going to be, people are always going to want to have a full set of Nintendo games on their Whatever's. Shelves. Yeah. So anyway, I got it. And now the value of it is obviously plummeted because millions and millions and millions of people bought it and they should. It's going to be awesome. I will say this. The ports look really lazy. I mean, about as lazy as they could be. It looks like they started working on them when we talked about it on Game Face a month ago. <laughs> like, I mean, they're they're literally just upreses. That's it's it. Just, just all they yeah. are. Yeah, it's just the same games running on more powerful hardware. So, except there is one exception, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But these three games are basically just straight up ports. Which for sixty bucks to get three great three D platformers, literally some of the best games in the history of the genre, sold. Yeah, if you think um, about saw, it as 20 bucks a game, like that's yeah. pretty solid. I saw a lot of people complaining on the site about how dirty the ports were, but man, you're getting three of them for 60 bucks. I really don't see where anyone can complain. And they're great freaking games, no matter how good they look. That's the bottom line. And I think they will look pretty good in person because yeah. one thing that's very true is, especially like with Mario Galaxy, you take that, that Wii, even the Wii version and stick it in Dolphin, like that thing cleans up automatically real well. Because like, their games are so simple. Pretty. It's like yeah. the shapes are simple. The colors are simple. They're not trying to recreate humans to look as realistic as possible in most of their games. And that's generally where you get the Uncanny Valley. So, yeah, I think they'll look fine. They're obviously going to play great. Uh, they did say that uh, motion controls will be optional for mm-hmm. Galaxy. I have to. I do wonder if the reason one of the reasons Galaxy Two is in there is not in there is because of the motion control aiming for the Yoshi stuff. It's possible. It's very possible. I mean, the the motion controls in Galaxy One are not that obtrusive. Like no, they, and they, they don't need to be very precise. Yeah, I mean, they're just kind of fun. Like I actually didn't mind them. It's just that you're collecting the gems with the mm. waggle or whatever. Like I, it almost became just like this therapeutic thing. It's like finish it all, clean it all up. Finish it all, clean it all up. So 
I didn't mind them that much, but they are they are making it optional for those of you who do not want to use them, which I think choice is always a good thing. Uh, and then next up, this came as a completely separate thing yesterday, I guess it was. Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity is coming to Switch before the end of the year, I would add, and it is a prequel to Breath of the Wild set 100 years before the events of Breath of the Wild. So an extreme prequel. This kind of caught me off guard. Uh, Koei Tecmo creating it again. They did a really good job on the last one, though it wasn't particularly narrative-driven. However, as a prequel to Breath of the Wild, this game has to be. How, on a scale of 1 to 10, how nervous are you about Koei Tecmo handling a narrative-driven Zelda game? I mean, not too much, just because it, like, I see what they're doing. Like, they're basically backstorying the thing that we heard about. Remember in Metroid of the Wild. Other M? Uh, yeah, but that was, that was uh, Sakamoto. That was Team Ninja that did that. They didn't write the story. That was the no, guy no, no, who's no. been ruining Metroid for the last 25 years. <laughs> like, that was not Team Ninja's fault. Yeah. Um, that was one guy specifically at Nintendo who had decided to appoint himself Samus's guardian uh, because he had all these shitty ideas about what she should be, and he put them in the manga, and then he put them in that game, and then we have never talked about them again because fuck that guy. Um, I'm not too worried about this because um, it's basically just like a Game of Thrones big battle story you know like it's 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 when you think of because this is the backstory that we heard about yeah, there's in, a clip that was uh, in the uh, b-roll for call of duty <laughs> this is the backstory we heard about in breath of the wild like the, you know when link got put to sleep and then he wakes up at the beginning of breath of the wild that was you know he, he's gone been put to sleep at the end of the events of this game um you know this is the last time everybody saw each other and it's sort of the, there's that vague like sort of like oh what happened like why is everybody so upset about it kind of thing right. you, know, there's, you know we never quite see what happened or why it occurred yeah what's the calamity yeah so you know this game is obviously going to sh- tell that story but that story because it seems to be more of a big battle sort of you know big you know you know epic clash between armies sort of thing does seem pretty much up uh, the Musou team's alley. You know, like that's pretty much what they do with over and over and over again in the Samurai Warriors and Dynasty Warriors games. So it might not be that bad of a fit. Um, and I'm sure Nintendo is supervising things as best they need to. I'm not, you know, I'm not here for the Zelda narrative in general most of the time. Um, but I did like Hyrule Warriors a lot. So yeah, I liked uh, it a lot more than I thought I would. I'll put it yeah. that way. So this is a this is a welcome surprise. Like I'm yeah. you know, a nice little kind of tied you over until Breath of the Wild Two is ready. Thing. Are you surprised Nintendo's letting Koei Tecmo do this? No, because again, I th- I think Nintendo is keeping very close tabs on everything. I, this is Zelda canon right here. Hand everything. Oh, no, they don't give a shit about Zelda canon. <laughs> Come on, like, what does that even sure mean? Sure, they do, Matt. It's very clear and easily explainable. Which timeline are we talking about? <laughs> exactly. Um, are you excited for it? Are you gonna? Yeah, yeah me too. Oh, I'll buy. It. I I like what they've done with the Nintendo Muso crossover things. I liked uh, Hyrule Warriors. I liked Fire Emblem Warriors. Uh, and I actually was interested in the story of what happened in this period. I, I thought that was the most interesting part about Breath of the Wild's very sparse story was the mystery of like what, how everything really unfolded with the arrival of Calamity Ganon a hundred years ago. So I actually do want to know what happened. So uh, yeah, like this is a good move. I mean, I, would I rather have Breath of the Wild too? Yes, but like this is a, this is a fine. This is fine. Like yeah. this is a nice also, surprise. Also, without a doubt. 
Breath of the Wild 2 is not coming this year. <laughs> yes, I think that's very fair to say. Without a doubt now, that is this is going to take its place. And Gohan Rage in chat brings up a good point. Next year is Zelda's 35th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And therefore, Breath of the Wild 2 just makes too much sense for the 35th anniversary of the yeah. franchise. I think we'll get that. I think we'll get a, a Zelda 3D collection of some form. Uh, and probably a, a couple of little weird things to to help with that. But I, th yeah. I think we will see that they will acknowledge Zelda's Zelda's thirty fifth for sure. Uh, and no one will ever notice that Metroid also has an anniversary coming up. So yeah, <laughs> it's always the redheaded stepchild from Nintendo. You ever seen uh, that that uh, that comic somebody did where it's like it's the whole Zelda thirtieth anniversary? I think in the background, everybody's got like streamers and party hats and up front. It's just. It's just Samus with one Metroid and the little Metroid's giving her a cupcake with a candle on it. It's like, yeah, yeah that's, that's Metroid. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Uh, next, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. So the not quite 3D platformer for Wii U, Mario platformer for Wii U, um, which was going to die on the vine on the Wii U if it were not brought forward, is being brought forward. But not only that, Nintendo is putting out a new expansion for the game with the Switch version. Have you ever, you remember this ever happening before, Matt? Um, yeah, putting out a new expansion with a with a remaster. Yeah. Well, uh, it's about. I to guess Amalur is about. Amalur is about to have a Kingdom of Amalur, and it, <laughs> I, true. I can't. I it rings a bell, but I can't remember. Yeah, I can't put my finger on another instance. Like I, I feel like that did happen, but I can't remember what it was. But it sounds like it started. I mean, it did again. Uh, Titan, <laughs> Titan Quest. Like it wasn't immediate, oh, right. Right. but they did. They did put Eventually. out a, a re, they did put an update out that remastered everything, and then like a couple months later, they put out the the, the Norse expansion. expansion. Yeah. Um. So it's it's not without precedent, but it's usually something reserved for more like kind of long longevity PC centric. Like weirdo indie, not indie, but like you know, B list, B list stuff. I can't remember like a triple A publisher doing something like that. Why would Nintendo do this? Do you think it's a good use of Nintendo's time? I mean, this is a good game, so it is yeah. a good game. I, yeah. I also think like because of that, the website digging they did, and it looks like a lot of this was supposed to go go live and, and be announced in April. Um, I feel like originally uh, that Mario 3D collection was supposed to come out in the summer, and this was supposed to come out in the fall. Probably. Um, but we've lost some time because of probably because of COVID and delays yeah. in terms of transitioning to that model. So instead, we get Mario 3D Collection this fall and we get this in the spring. I think it's February this is. Um, so I think this was originally going to be one of their big holiday releases. And it makes sense that they would want to put in a chunk of new content to make it feel a little fresher for a holiday release. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm just glad that it's being rescued, yeah. basically, from a dead yeah, platform. There's another game that needed to be rescued from the Wii U. That is yeah. There's, there aren't many left now, really. I, no, mean, I think really, last time we talked about it, this was like one of the only games we yeah. could come up with. <laughs> I think after this, after this, you're down to pretty much Xenoblade Chronicles X and uh, Fatal Frame. Yeah, which I feel is not going to happen. Uh, that's never going to happen. Xenoblade, I think, will happen um, someday. Yeah, but that's about it in terms of worthwhile stuff. Yeah, uh, it's. Now my Wii U can really sit in the closet for the rest of its yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless you really want to play Devil's Third. Yeah, no. <laughs> Another game I told people to go buy, though, and keep it sealed. Maybe someday it'll be worth something. The I did game. do that. I do yeah. have a sealed copy of it. Yeah. 
Um, we'll see how that works out. We'll see. You never know. It's usually, definitely not going to be released. I can guarantee that. <laughs> yeah, usually usually takes about 10 years for Nintendo games to like start to, to, to skyrocket in the collector's yep. market. So yep. hang on to it. Yep. Hang on to this too, because again, even though it was one of the best sellers, yada, 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 they're going to stop making them. They're going to yeah. be gone. And at some point, switches with this game pre-installed digitally are going to cost more than switches without it on it. Yeah, for sure. It's just like PT, which I... Yep. Lost, unfortunately. Yep. Uh, and now we're, Matt mentioned earlier that next year for Zelda, they'll have a couple little things. And that's what we're going to talk about now for Mario's 35th anniversary. The first one is a brand new game and watch. Not only is it a brand new game and watch, it is a color game and watch. Yeah. Um, which usually these are just like gray and dark gray LCD, not LED, LCD liquid crystal displays uh this is like a little mini handheld that plays super mario brothers it is however 50 dollars. did mm. were you aware of that matt yeah I'm and that, that's why i will never own one yeah exactly <laughs> so. man like i saw like the 3d mario collection i'm buying it never open it i saw this and i was like oh i'm gonna buy that it never oh <laughs> yeah Okay, I think I'll sort of how I felt about the one. Game Gear thing. Yeah, that's too much too, man. Those yeah. little micro handhelds. It's just this has a bigger screen than those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does. But fifty bucks, that's way too much for this, man. Like yeah, I don't, that's a I lot. It's this is that's purely a collector's item. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's gonna spend fifty dollars to play Super Mario Brothers. Like it's why would you? You can play it on like a freaking pregnancy test at this point. Like there's no reason. Uh, that's doom. Yeah, do this week someone played it on a yeah. pregnancy test, and you can play this on one too. So, I, uh, I, yeah, the value for this is very minimal for me. If I were to buy it, it would be purely to buy it, never open it, put it in a closet somewhere, and come back in thirty years and see how much it's worth. That's mm-hmm. pretty much all the, the draw that it has for me. And then, and we're gonna get done in time. We're gonna make it, I think. And then finally, Super Mario Brothers. 35. So somebody asked me a while ago, like, what is my game that I play nowadays when I just have a couple minutes? They said, you used to say it was Call of Duty. What is it now? That game for me now is Tetris 99 on Switch. I've just, I just pick it up, play a couple rounds while I'm waiting for my wife to put on makeup or whatever before we leave. Well, this is basically Tetris 99 set in Super Mario Brothers. Um, it you're competing against instead of 99 players, you're competing against 35 other players. This looks really cool to me, Matt. Um, mm-hmm. I, again, I'm a big fan of Tetris 99. It's hard to explain the allure of it until you try it and give it a go. Uh, what it's like to compete. It's a little bit like Fall Guys or a Battle Royale game. Anytime it's you against the world, it just creates this other kind of feeling while you're playing. And my guess is that this game will do the same exact thing. Uh, it looks very inventive, very creative. Um, I'm okay if they bring this aesthetic across a lot of their properties, you know, honesty. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to play a Zelda of, yeah. the, of this angle. Yep. I, I think um, it's a brilliant idea. Like, it's, there's no way they could get Mario out to 99. So I don't know no. how they brand this. Like, Well, that's so why they say Mario know. 35. You had 35 players. It's just the number, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But I got like the. Um, that idea. It reminds me of like there's some there's some ROM hacks for like that are up in the like the speedrun community and stuff. Like there's a there's a ROM hack that is a mashup of um, Super Metroid and uh, Link to the Past, 
uh, because someone figured out that um, you know you've got all these different little these different cores or whatever in the Super Nintendo. Yep. Uh, Super Metroid and Super and Link to the Past never use the same core. Huh. So you can you can have those both loaded into memory in an emulator of the of the Super Nintendo and never overlap. So you can just keep them in there. And there's a there's a ROM hack where every time you complete a certain element a section of the one game, it's randomly switches to the next game to the other game. And so you have to like get through a dungeon in Zelda. And then at the end of that, you might have to play like a super Metroid section to then get to the next part of Zelda. So this, this reminds me of that a little bit. And it's just sort of like, just take these old games that you can run, like you say on a pregnancy test and just fuck with them. Like just yeah, figure not? out a way that makes them new and figure out a way to just like go crazy with them. And uh, that really seems to be what they've done here. And this is also much more appealing to me than Tetris 99 because I don't particularly like Tetris. So this is a, yeah, this is the same concept, but done with a more interesting property to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm big in favor of this thing. This is a cool idea. Yeah. It even has the same interface as Tetris 99. Yeah. So a big part of it is like you can attack other people. Um, like mm -hmm. in Tetris 99, when you're about to clear a block, you just tap the analog stick in one of four different directions to kind of say where you're going to send your blocks to. And that same interface is in this. Um, so, yeah, I they'll, I think someday they'll come up with some kind of a term for this series that they've created. Um, but right now, it looks like I'm two for two. I love Tetris 99, and it looks like I'm going to love this too. And it's going to take, it would take something like this to get me to play Super Mario Brothers again. I am over it. And something like this unique, uh, clever twist, I'm all over it. So they have, as Matt said, they have found a way to revive a 35-year-old game in a way that will get this old guy to play it again. Um, and then finally, this wasn't even related to Hyrule Warriors or Mario's 35th anniversary, but this week it was uncovered that Nintendo has filed a patent for standalone Joy-Cons. Now you're like, what does that mean? What it means is the Joy-Cons do not have the attachments, the rails on the side that you slide down into the Switch and connect mm. it to the Switch. So people are like, what does this mean? What does it mean, Matt? What do you think it means? Switch Pro is a console only. That's, That's my guess. That's what it sounds like. That or they there's something going on with PC maybe, although I think they already have Joy-Cons working with PC anyway. Yeah, you can hack that together, but if it, but then why would they do that? Because they're not going to do PC stuff. Um, my guess that sounds to me like they the new kind of Joy-Con for a system that does not go portable. Right. Yeah. So, do you think the Switch Pro might just be a console? I mean, that seems not. That, I mean, that's what I would hope it to be. I mean, that's what I'd want. Like, I don't I don't want to impose my preferences on what I think will happen, but it sure looks that way if that's what they're patenting. It does. That's. Do you think that's big news? Maybe. Like, it's big it's news. Right for, it's for it's big news for me because it means I'm buying another Switch. Like yeah. that's what that. Well, you know, I will, but, I will like, too if it gets more powerful. You know. Yeah. Um, I like. I mean, I think it's big news in the sense that like they are sort of subverting what the Switch's whole gimmick is in the name of giving us a more powerful and capable piece of hardware, which is let's be honest, rather non-Nintendo of them. It like, is. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I think it's good. Like, I like, I, 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 this is promising news to me. Um, so I'd say it's big in that regard and that they're, they're, they're catering to a, a, a crowd that we don't usually get catered to by this company. So I, I'm into yeah, it. Yeah, a crowd has been asking them for something like this yeah. for a really long time. So they are listening. It does seem like, I can't think of any other reason why there would be standalone. Why it wouldn't, it's, yeah, I don't, neither can I 
unless it's, unless it's, unless it's for, for like, and we know yeah. that's not going to happen. So. Yeah, I wouldn't think so, unless they're really, you know, they're going a really weird direction with the mobile game thing. Like, that could be possible. They could be mobile controllers, but yeah. I don't know. Blue, I mean, if, if you got controllers, blue, yeah, you can pair Bluetooth with just about anything, so that could be it. But like, yeah. I, but even if that was the but case, is that overkill? Like, do you need think. like the gyros and the IR and all that stuff in there for you a think, mobile yeah. controller? Probably not. So I think you're, I think you're probably right. If the probably the next Switch console that's rumored right now to come next year is just a console. That seems like the most likely result. Or it could just be a patent that they filed to cover their butts and they're not going to do anything. That could be too. Like just <laughs> one or the other. Just in case we want this <laughs> one day. One extreme to the other. I mean, so, that's what patents are. Like that's yeah, yeah, that's that's a valid way to go about it. Absolutely. So there you go. A gigantic week for Nintendo. A gigantic week for Microsoft, and it's probably going to end up being a gigantic week for PlayStation before it's all said and done. However, we're going to have to discuss PlayStation stuff on next week's show. So it's time for Q&A. This is your cue to get questions into the chat. Go at Sifted Games. Uh, that way we can pluck them out from everyone else's comments and we can get through it pretty quickly. Um, we're running short on time, so we can't answer a ton, but we'll answer at least a few. Uh, but before we do that, let's hear for a word from our sponsor. Do you live life outdoors? The Shazer Ryan Realty has a nice level lot just outside of Libby, Montana that's perfect for you. With access to Crystal Lake via shared dock and boat ramp, it's an ideal location to build the getaway home of your dreams or just park your RV. Enjoy fishing, paddleboarding, kayaking, boating, and more just a few steps away. It can be yours for just $72.5. No matter where you live, contact Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643 or DeShazerMT at gmail.com. Even if you're not looking for property in Montana, he can connect you with local realtors in your area who can help you. If you want to see more, head over to DeShazerRyanRealty.com. That's DeShazerRyanRealty.com. Thanks again to DeShazer Ryan Realty. If you need a house or land anywhere in America, call him. Let's keep the money in the family. All right, it's time for some Q&A. The first question comes from Estmont. Uh, he asks... Do you think that 2K graphics will look good on 4K TVs? Yes. Yeah, they'll look yes. fine. My, I mean, 1080p graphics look great on my 65-inch 1080p TV. Like, mm -hmm. the tech works with the tech. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to look great. That's what we were saying earlier. I don't know if you joined later. Uh, but I was saying I don't think the average person is going to be able to look at 2K graphics running and be like, that's not 4K. I just don't. I think... People like us will. I think video files will, but I think the average person will mm -hmm. not be able to tell the difference between. And 2K. also remember, most Blu-rays of movies are 2K masters right? that are They're, then yeah. upres to 4K by exactly. the TV in most cases. So I, yeah. like, I mean, you're used to looking at it anyway. Yep. Yeah. Again, why I think the cheaper version of Series or Series S has a chance to sell as well or better than Series X. Uh, Yakov226, what 3D Zelda games will be on the 35-year collection? Ocarina uh, of Time, definitely. Well, that's a good question. Like, so I have my theory on this is that um, there will be more than one, and that there will oh. be an there will be an Ocarina Majora's Mask 3D, like the, the 3DS games. I think they will do an up-res collection of them. I think they will package uh, Twilight Princess and Wind Waker HD from the Wii U into their own thing, and I think Skyward Sword HD will be its own thing. Interesting. Okay. That would be my ideal lineup. Alternately, I think they will do an Ocarina Majora's 3D 
uh, package and Skyward Sword on its own and Twilight Princess and Wind Waker will have to wait for another year. Okay. That would be my guess. Or they, if they want to do another three pack, it's Twilight Princess, Wind Waker and Skyward Sword like this Mario 3D collection as their own, like a full price $60 thing. But if but considering, I guess it depends on how much work they want to do for this. If they want to do a quick and dirty Skyward Sword update the way that uh, these Mario games are, then maybe. But it feels to me like Skyward Sword being adapted for the Wii and the for the Switch and the Joy-Cons would require a lot more work than that. What they should do is just put out like an Ocarina of Time complete collection. So you have Ocarina of Time, you have Majora's Mask, then all the stuff from... Ura Zelda, which was under development for the 64DD. Well, that's uh, already they, out there as the Master Quest stuff. All of it, though? That's I what the Master they, Quest is. I thought that they didn't have, they didn't include everything that they had created for Ura Zelda. I mean, I don't think they have the, the owning link uh, fully the way they originally planned to implement it, but he is in uh, Majora's, as far as I know. Okay. Um, the, but the Master Quest that was in, you know, that, that GameCube collection that was yeah. integrated into the uh, into the 3D 3DS version. Is that worth money now? That, what that master quest disc oh yeah is it oh good a couple hundred really nice yeah if it's sealed i think yeah mm, i don't know if mine is or not the, not everything on the game all the game stuff like that and the 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 ocarina uh ma like this is the other ocarina limited disc you know the ocarina remaster disc yeah. or whatever like that's worth a lot like that whole era is worth i mean i mean none of them are worth as much as cubivore but <laughs> you take what you can get that's weird i don't know why that's worth so much money Cubivore? Yeah. Because it was it was very low print run. Um, Vincent is saying, related, Bloomberg is saying Nintendo is telling developers to make their games 4K ready and prep for the new Switch next year. Mm -hmm. So we sounds were... Like a, sounds like a Matt, console to me. Do you remember when we talked about the Switch Pro? I was like, wait a minute. How are you going to get 4K into a handheld? You're not. <laughs> yeah. It's all it's starting to add up now. You're not. It's going to be a standalone console that runs games in 4K. Mm -hmm. The source sure seems like it's headed that way. I mean, that's what I wanted, so I'm not going to complain. But you know, part of me never really thought they'd do it. Yeah, Justin Horman, Johnny Hurricane, thank you for Twitch Prime. You guys rock. You guys rock anyway, but you rock more today. Um, let's see. I don't want to get you started talking about movies because we only have four minutes, and you, you'll never get it done before then. Um, Mark Simpson, have you considered regular guest appearance from people like Jim Sterling? He'd be an amazing POV. Oh, yeah. I would love, there's a million people that Matt and I would love to have on Game Face. They're all doing their own stuff and they're doing their own shows. Um, I would love to have guest appearances. We, when we first started the show, we had guest appearances and it became impossible. I'm trying to get somebody on the show every week. Once we had one person cancel, that was it because you promise someone's going to be there and they don't make it. And then you look like a fool. So once that happened the first time I was pretty much done. Um, but look, I, I'm not against having a guest appearance here or there. Um, I wouldn't mind getting Adam on the show to talk with Matt and I about games for an episode or something. Um, minority games. Should I get a new system if I don't have a 4k TV? Yes. Yeah. I don't have a 4k TV. I'm getting them. I may have one. I may have to buy one. I have to spend a lot of money here in the next like three months. Unfortunately, I may have to have the you, family buy an Xbox for me. You can get um, some pretty solid uh, 4K TVs for much. They less are than, really cheap yeah. now. Yeah, they've come out. Um, I I had to do some research for someone on that a little while ago. I I, I and the, the the one that she, the one she got is pretty solid, like three hundred something. Like it's. 
obviously the ones I buy are ridiculous, but like yeah. the, but you can get, you know, it's not like it used to be like, it used to be if you get like a $300 4k t- panel, like it was garbage. Like that, but that's, yeah, that's yeah. not true anymore. Like you can, you can get some real good <clears> stuff now. I think what people are forgetting is that <clears throat> you don't have to have a 4k TV to get the advantages of these consoles. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Playing these games in 1080p are still going to blow your mind because they're, they're able to display stuff that no other 1080p game was ever able to display without the, the hardware just melting down. Um, so yes, there are huge advantages mm-hmm. to still owning these console. Just the fact that you're only going to be able to play some of the games, the exclusive games, yeah. if you don't and have like, so. Ray tracing still matters at 1080p. Like it's yeah, still, you're absolutely. still going to see a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Ed Rock, the truth. Are you disappointed that Nintendo didn't do more with the 3D All Stars, uh, like Mario 64, only being four to three ratio, not including Galaxy Two, or which I think is better than the first. By the way, I'm getting that game and watch. I grew up with them. Still have my Popeye game and watch. Fair enough. Hmm. Um, I have a lot of game and watches too. I have several. And I got one not that long ago from the Nintendo Points Club before they closed down. I think that was Ball. Um, we talked about this. Um, we did not bring up the 4 by 3 thing. You do bring up a good point. Yeah. And that, that, is, that is weird. That is inexcusable, I would say. Yeah. Because um, you, you, know, you can do that. You can, that's a pretty that's simple... That's not a big deal. I mean, yeah. that does show you how little effort they put into them. So mm-hmm. it is very telling. Um, so I agree with that. But... Otherwise, these are just three great platformers, and I'm excited to play them again, and I think most people should be too. Um, okay, let's see if we can get one or two more in. Um, Kadaz, what's your favorite collectible and why? Matt. Collectible? You're the one who collects them. In the sense of what? Oh, I don't know if he's talking about collectibles in games yeah. or if he's talking about like Funko, which just went under, by the way. Did you see that? No. Yeah, the Funko figurines, they just fought for bankruptcy. What's what's GameStop gonna do? Their stores are gonna be empty. Maybe they'll actually fill it with video games. Who would have well, thought just that? Well, just because they uh, you know filed for bankruptcy doesn't mean they're gonna stop making stuff. Like you yeah, know, I know. there's a difference. There's a distance there, but it is coming. I mean, you know. I don't know what a collectible is. Like, I collect house records and video games and stuff like that. But collectibles are different to everyone. I think. Like, my wife collects like Christmas tree ornaments. Like when we travel somewhere, like. When we get something to remember where we went, we get a Christmas tree ornament. And then when we put up the tree every year, we're like, oh, remember when we went to Amsterdam? Or remember when we went to Barcelona or whatever? Everyone collects something different. So it's hard to say what, if that's what he's asking. I think yeah, he I might know. be asking what's the best collectible inside a video game, though. And in that case, it has to be Mario Stars for me. Uh, definitely satisfying. Yep. Um, when they pop out, and when you collect mm-hmm. them, <laughs> they feel great both both ways. Yeah, all the all the kind of platformer, you know, goal items are pretty good that way. Um, I think I think the Mario Galaxy stars are the most satisfying when you get them for like that animation is probably my favorite when you get the the stars. Although yep. I do have a weird um, fondness for Banjo Kazooie's jiggies. Yeah, what is like yo huh? Like that whole uh-huh. thing is <laughs> uh, you know, something satisfying about that. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, but that's what all the great games do. They make those moments satisfying. Um, and one thing I would say, too, that about Avengers, Avengers' use of rumble is amazing. I hardly ever mm-hmm. bring that up when we're talking about games. The force feedback and rumble in Marvel's Avengers is awesome. Like, if you really pay attention to it during cutscenes and stuff, it's like some next-level stuff. Like, mm. play it yeah, and check it out. Like, true. think about it. Um, video game fury 79 Cody S Carter 
Call of Duty 01, great episode for you. Thank you guys all for uh, Twitch Prime at the end of the show. Um, let's see if we can answer one more. Oh, Scorefear says, Heads up, I posted in the forums on Sifted about sifters coming together to make a game. Have a look. So there you go. If any of you guys are interested in maybe making games, but you're like, I can't do it by myself, um, there's a crew in our forum. Also, have you created a crew in our forums? You should probably do that. Um, if you're a premium member, you can create your own private forum. Uh, another perk of being a subscriber or a patron of Sifted, you can create your own private forum that you can invite people to and nobody else can get into. Um, they're called crews. And I highly recommend that you create a crew for the game development team. And as people go to the forums and say, hey, I'm interested, add them to the crew. And you guys have your own private forum that you can use forever um, and work on your project together. So anyway, there you go. Head to the forums if you're interested in making games. There's people on Sifted that are already doing it for big publishers and developers. But there's also some indie folks who are trying to just get started. And you might find someone who can help you become a game developer. All right. Orbs and Crackdowns is Bunk Go. That's a good call. Ah, that is. That, a was, that was a fun collectible. Yep. Um, that's it for episode 228. I'm Shane Satterfield, your humble host, also the founder of Sifted. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Dinfire. Um, you can find Matt at MKyle. And you can find the site at Sifted Games. And Sifted is always spelled S-I-F-T-D. Uh, if you're listening to this show out on the wilds of the internet, maybe you're on Spotify, maybe you're on Stitcher, maybe you're on iHeartRadio, maybe you're on Apple Podcasts, wherever you are, if you enjoy the show and you enjoy the entertainment that we're giving you every week, please head on over to patreon.com slash sifted and kick us a couple bucks a month. It, it's a cup of coffee to you, but it means the world to us and we will really appreciate it. Uh, so I mentioned last week that we may not be doing a show next week. Um, Jared is out next week doing some big gig and he can't do the show. We're about 50 50 on that right now. Um, I, I'm going to try to do it. We may not be able to find another TriCaster TD. If we can't, we won't. Um, it was very nice to get a couple days off this weekend. Uh, personal thanks to, to Vincent for jumping in and handling curation over the weekend. Uh, it was good to get a couple days away. And all I ended up doing was playing video games anyway, but at least I wasn't working. <laughs> Which, it's funny how there's a difference. It's like when you're being forced to do something versus when you just want to do something. Um, but anyway... Uh, if you would like to help us out, head to patreon.com slash sifted. It makes a big difference for us, and we need every dollar. So follow us at Sifted Games on Twitter if you want to know whether the show is happening next week. If you're on the site, you're going to know. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest happenings. Until then, we'll see you next week. Maybe Game Face is up and out.